1: 10am on a Saturday morning, time to blow the whistle and rip into it. The Saturday session begins right now. Great to have your company across SENZ. My name is Daniel McCarty. Hello Grant Elliott, it's been so long.
2: Good morning, good morning, good morning to all the listeners and it hasn't been that long. I actually think we should get a mattress in this room and just sleep here for the next couple of days while we're doing the Chapel Hadley. And what a day to have a session. Sun is shining in Wellington. It's beautiful out there. Great to be in our
1: cupboard with no natural light. <laughs> mm. Always puts us in a positive disposition, a positive mood. I always get positive when uh, the NRL season uh, hits the playoff stage. Mm,
2: you do. You love your NRL.
1: I do love playoff footy. I, I just like...
2: What is it about playoff footy that you love?
1: It's almost like the season starts, really. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm not I'm not mad on the NRL. Like, every game I have to watch, I dip in and out as the, as the regular season goes on, but... Uh, looking forward to, to seeing how the uh, the paths roll about. Well, the Panthers, 27-8 over the Eels. When you've got uh, the Storm up against the Raiders. Uh, the Raiders have a pretty good record against the Storm, so I, I'm probably, I'm probably going to avoid um, them and our picks to end the show. Okay. probably avoid that.
2: Can I ask you something? Why don't they, when you play pool stages all the way, you know, during a season, a long season, why don't they just throw the person who ends up top goes straight to the final? Because you deserve it.
1: Money. You need more oh, games.
2: I know, but they deserve hey, it. Just bro- that one team. So, so uh, automatically, automatic. automatic final. Yeah. And, and how
1: many weeks do your players go for? You deserve. They're going to be off for how many weeks? Well, I am picking how many holes in this argument already.
2: Then the last, the the seven underneath the the person who ends top, they go straight to the final, and then they play off and to, to see who the the so, final, so, other finalist is going to be. So
1: your team finishes top, and I'll yeah. say to you, right, you get a month off now. Great. And you are going to be you are going to be match fit. In a month's time,
2: well, you for a grand final. maybe have a have a few little, you know, club games and let the boys have a have a couple of sessions.
1: We'll, we'll uh, agree to disagree, <laughs> which we tend to do on the show. Our text line double eight double three. Fire your messages through Ben Francis, producer extraordinaire, is here. Although we can't see his beautiful face via our cameras, we're in Wellington, of course. Ben is in Auckland. Uh, we assume he uh, hasn't gone out to get a cup of tea or something. Well, no, he doesn't drink coffee. Maybe, maybe he drinks tea.
2: I just want to see his face because I know how excited he'll be about the show. Because you started off talking about NRL, and then also we've got Lewis Brown a little bit later uh, for our legends segment. Yeah, to
1: to revisit twenty
2: eleven. Yeah,
1: twenty eleven. Uh, yeah, Warriors fans, you've had a rough year, but uh, we're going to go down memory lane, uh, revisit the twenty eleven season for the Warriors, which uh, ultimately saw them in the grand final against the Seagulls. They they lost that. Um, it was really remarkable season for a number of reasons. It didn't start off well. Uh, gathered some momentum after a couple of months. Uh, you know, midway through the season, it might have been a little bit later that um, Ivan Cleary announces he's leaving at the end of the season. Um, they get into the playoffs, lose their first game to the mighty Bronx, get thumped. Um, results go their way, they progress to the next week, and, well, as they say, the rest is history. <laughs> the mention Melbourne Storm were in their sights. So Lewis Brown is going to be our legend uh, today, part of our Saturday session legend in association with Somerset. Uh, we'll look back at that legendary season for the Warriors. Uh, He'll be joining about quarter past 11 for you uh, league fans. Uh, We'll have tales of the tractor as we head to the beautiful uh, Southland. Ran shield action today. Southland are challenging. Southland won a very famous um, shield challenge in 2009, beating Canterbury 9 points to 3 on a cold, and I am understating, cold night in Christchurch. It was. They had a number of defences. Jason Rutledge was at the heart of that. We're going to catch up with uh, Jason Rutledge, who's... been playing club footy into his mid
2: 40s. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, just playing club footy in general scares me, but <laughs> into your 40s.
1: Well, is that another challenge we need to get <laughs> to? No, your, no,
2: no, no. Well, no, you'd no. be
1: under 85 kgs, wouldn't you? We can get you an under 85 kg yeah,
2: game. Just actually. I'm that's trying to get over 85. Maybe I should to see if I could go into the <laughs> over 85s. That'd be more of a challenge.
1: Oh, bless. So, uh, Jason Rutledge will join us at about. 10.30, 10.40 maybe, uh, depending what correspondence we have from you, because we do like to invite your calls on 800 150 811 problems I think we've got a slight bug with the telephone system as it stands right now. We will notify you uh, the moment those um, are resolved, and uh, we can hear your dulcet tones. Uh, as far as uh, what else is coming up on the show, about 20 past 12 uh, in the final hour of the show, uh, Darren Chuck Berry will join us. Uh, Darren was part of our commentary team, our SEN slash SENZ commentary team for the second one-day international. Um, Outstanding wicketkeeper um, during his own playing days. Had a long first-class career during that remarkable era of Australian cricket where they could have played about four or five international teams. Um, I think Shane Warne described him the best wicketkeeper he ever had the honour of bowling to. Um, That's some, that's some praise, considering how good Healy was behind the stumps to him, so... Uh, Darren, these days, is a uh, highly regarded white ball cricket coach as well. So, and I detect he's not shy on offering an opinion. So okay. he can give an outsider's perspective on what he saw from New Zealand.
2: Yeah, I think most Victorians are not scared of, of giving an opinion. He's, he's pro-Victoria, very pro-Australian as well. Although he, he did um, provide a circumspect opinion, I think, around the Australian batting lineup. Uh, I think both teams in that game... We're very poor, and it was great to have that trans-Tasman battle, and I especially liked it when they said, what's your prediction, Grant? And I said, well, we've won the toss. I think it might do up, and we should win this game. Well, I'm surprised if I'll be asked back for the third one day or after that performance. (laughs) Yeah, I
1: don't think commentators are the problem. Uh, Grant and I will offer our uh, insight on the Series too as we progress uh, but uh, at the top of the program, we like to keep you informed of what has been happening. Um, and uh, sad news, of course, yesterday, um, right around the globe, uh, tributes have been flowing after the uh, passing of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. Uh, an extraordinary reign. The uh, helm in um, the world and the sporting world is still coming to grips with the passing of Queen Elizabeth II, um, the UK's longest serving monarch who died, of course, at Balmoral, aged 96, um, reigning for 70 years. More than 70 years she was Queen. Uh, Quite amazing. Uh, Huge admiration I did have for her. I'm certainly no royalist, but uh, the older I've got, the more I've seen the way she's conducted herself, the the duty for which she is uh, given. It's hard not to admire her in my mind, Uh, but um, the show doesn't necessarily go on. Um, especially in that part of the world, Grant. um, Let's Mm. get to Editor-at-Large, the Sporting News of the Day, as you ready yourself for uh, your Sporting Saturday. Let's catch up with uh, some of the news. In all English, Welsh, Northern Irish football and senior Scottish football has been postponed, Grant, this weekend as a mark of respect following the passing of uh, Queen Elizabeth II. Ten Premier League games and six Scottish Premier League fixtures were scheduled, but they are postponed. Uh, The English Football League games were due to take place on Friday night and Saturday also postponed with six women's Super League fixtures on Saturday and Sunday. England's nation, uh, national league, FA Trophy, and grassroots football is also off. So even down at the grassroots, grassroots level, as well, um, uh, they are paying tribute. I understand play will resume in England's cricket test against South Africa uh, tomorrow, our time, which will be Saturday. So I think that makes it a three-day test. I don't think they're adding any time on. I might need to clarify that. While the women's T20 match between England and India will go ahead. Uh, golf's PGA Championship will restart tomorrow. His play was halted uh, yesterday, at our time. British horse racing will return on Sunday. That's Monday, New Zealand time. Uh, with rugby union's premiership season beginning on Sunday, after two fixtures were postponed um, on, were postpone this morning. They were supposed to be played this morning, uh, Friday night in the UK. Uh, it's even uh, hit the the realm of boxing. Uh, boxing's world title fight between uh, Savannah Marshall and Clarissa Shields has been postponed with a provisional new date of uh, October 15, while all uh, British Boxing Board of Control tournaments have been postponed for the weekend. Sunday's Great Northern Run will go ahead as planned, though, with organisers saying it's an opportunity to come together and express our condolences while celebrating the life of our extraordinary Queen. So, our uh, sport, um, which the Queen's had a long, long association with, and a proud one at that. And a good relationship at that um you know taking their own paths about how to uh, deal with this you know once in a seven generation thing
2: amazing amazing woman in a world of controversy and social media and you think you know anyone that's done anything untoward this is just maybe a word that she might use but um it w- will be all over social media and all over Google, but you google her name the philanthropy. Highly religious woman. Lack of controversy. Yeah, lack of. You don't of. think
1: she ran a burner account?
2: No, I don't think... Yeah, so.
1: firing shots at the English top order uh, after losing to, to South Africa.
2: Well, was she a, a big sports fan? Well, I don't massive know into the horse was. racing. Oh. Huge into horse racing.
1: Hunter. La- no, bread uh, horses. Tra- mm. Trained bread, but...
2: Do you reckon she into tuned it. into the good oil with clay Probably.
1: <laughs> we'll have to ask Clay-Doh if he had the Queen on speed dial. If she was tapping him out going, clay what... What's happening at Winyatui this weekend? (laughs) Uh, Do let me know. So, um, yeah, condolences uh, to the whole family. Um, As far as other sports, Waikato have continued their unbeaten start to the uh, MPC season with uh, a strong win, 30 points to 15 over Auckland to solidify their position atop of the standings. The win was their first over Auckland in some five years. Saturday's fixtures see Hawke's Bay defend the Shield against Southland. Uh, North Harbour faced Bay Plenty and Counties, and Monaco are hosting uh, Manua too. Um, the biggest game, though, the Farah Palmer Cup final, five past three this afternoon. It's Canterbury up against Auckland. Auckland have not won a final for seven years; so they haven't won a title in seven years, and they've got an extraordinary history. So it's sort of the what the throwback stars up against the modern day stars. Canterbury, uh, quite extraordinary record, really. Of course, last. Lost last year's final to Waikato, but won the four prior to that. And I think if you if you look at their record, uh, Grant, you'll like this from no, uh, 2017 through to uh, today's final. They've won 42 of 45 games, Canterbury. Gee. yeah, a- incredible stuff. And and a really nice touch that uh, two of these centurions, Steph uh, T- oh, Eddie Fox, and uh, Kendra Coxedge, of course, the most clamp, uh, capped uh, uh, Black Fern, they've had the stadium renamed after them. What a nice touch for the final.
2: That is awesome. But so Kendra Coxage, she's just retired from what I understand.
1: I announced that she will be retiring after the World Cup.
2: Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the yeah. confusion we got, of the 2021, we got 2021. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It's in 2022, but right. it is still the 2021. Yeah. She's,
2: she's been a dominant player. She's an amazing I mean, player. She's up there with almost like a Lisa Carrington.
1: Superb player. Uh, I think holds every single point scoring record in Canterbury rugby.
2: Yeah, machine. Um, yeah. And a handy medium pacer. Oh really? Yeah, we we played her in the the black clash. She played for team rugby. I was so nervous getting out to her because there was um there was the the woman that ran in to Brian Lara. I don't know if you remember Zoe. Zoe got gosh, Zoe got knocked over Brian Lara at the SCG. I could just picture all three poles getting knocked out of the ground by Kendra Cox. Would would have been great for the crowd because we were in Canterbury. Oh, loved they they would have loved it. They
1: would have sledged you. Yeah, Something shocking. It. But
2: no, very handy player.
1: And meanwhile, New Zealand are taking the first step towards defending their uh, World Cup sevens crown, uh, progressing safely through to the uh, championship quarterfinals at Cape Town. A victory earns them a showdown with Argentina in the men's quarterfinal, where France face Australia. Samoa take on Fiji and Ireland play South Africa. Kiwi women are now take on Ireland in their championship quarterfinal with Australia facing England. The US playing at Canada. France up against Fiji. To the NRL we go, and the Panthers took a huge step towards defending their Premiership title with a big win, 27 points to 8 over the Eels last night. The Eels led 8 points to 7 early in the second half, Grant. Uh, But the floodgates did open when the Eels lost uh, Mitchell Moses to a head knot midway through that second half, which saw the Panthers score two tries in two minutes. So the Panthers had the bite in that game. Excuse the terrible pun. Uh, Stay tuned, i got more of them. Uh, The victory over the the Western Sydney rivals uh, booked the Panthers a spot in the preliminary final and earned them a week off.
2: Does your family know, because I can just hear the excitement in your voice, do they know that you know, it's league finals coming up. And just to leave you, um, you just park on the couch?
1: Uh, I, I, I hazard a guess. Probably not. No? Probably not. One's three and one's one. So I'm, I'm going to say they don't know. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure the wife doesn't
4: care.
1: <laughs> I mean, she doesn't have to talk to me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there you go. That is Editor at Large, the Sporting uh, stories you needed to know about um, from overnight that you haven't caught up on. It's 14 minutes after 10 o'clock you are with the Saturday Session. Grant, Elliot, and Daniel McCarty. Ben Francis, we assume, is still with us. Uh, we take you through to 1 o'clock. A legend. We look back at the 2011 Warriors season and the road to the grand final with Lewis Brown in about an hour's time. In two hours' time, we'll catch up with Darren Chuck Berry to offer his thoughts on the uh, Chapel Hadley from a Australian perspective. You may want to get your thoughts in on double eight, double three. Um, Grant will offer his uh, thoughts alongside me as we progress, we'll take a short break later this hour though, uh, Tales from the track, we head to Southland, we reminisce about to Southland winning the Shield in 2009 Jason Rutledge, what does it take to win a Shield challenge, we'll uh, hear from him later this hour hold tight, back after this break 17, mate that 19, I can't even count Grant, 19 minutes after 10 o'clock Woo,
2: the Saturday says firing up here isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is Grant Elliott, Daniel McCarty, Ben Francis is with us is he? Hello Ben. Morning. Morning Ben. Good morning Ben. Good morning Ben. How are you today Ben? Good? Yeah I'm fine thank you. Fine thanks. Excellent. Who's going to win the NRL Ben? You are the expert.
5: <laughs> I haven't thought about it at all to be completely honest with you. Uh, I'm just going to say for me I guess it's when the warrior season's over and my interest kind of dwindles.
2: It does, it does. Yeah, I sense that. I sense since the Warriors finished fifteenth on the table, you've lost a lot va- of interest. But that's
1: fandom, though, right? That's that, that's the beauty of fan. I'm a I'm a you know a transient fan. I, I don't you know I follow the Broncos, but I don't follow them religiously week in, week out. But I get quite excited by the NRL playoffs. Ben, on the other hand, his colour's completely tied to the Warriors, and that's awesome. You know, um, I, I love fans like that, and it's like my team's not in it. Why should I? Why should I bother?
2: But look what he's wearing. Look, he's not wearing his Warriors top.
1: Well, they're not playing this week, are they?
2: I know, but he always wears his Warriors top.
1: They're on Mad Monday.
2: Mad I'm Monday. Ooh, I've been on a Mad Monday before. Who with? Well, I was with... With an NRL club? Uh, no, it was with some of the Hurricanes players. Um, and I needed a minder. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're going to reveal some state secrets here? It didn't,
2: didn't last very long.
1: It wasn't the ilk of Whore and Eaton. Yeah, was maybe it was, Yeah, woman? yeah. That would have been a fun night out, I would have thought.
2: Yeah, but I mean, I was all of sort of 80 kilograms, really struggling there. They were throwing you around. Yeah, it was. It was an entertaining night.
1: They, they were covering you in Velcro and throwing you on the <laughs> wall. With... <laughs> Grant, Grant Elliott throwing.
2: <laughs> yeah. Could
1: be a new sport. So your key factor is what, 0% Ben, 1%? Oh, maybe. Eight, but like...
5: I I guess I guess I'd say 1%. Like I'll check the score and that's about it.
1: And you, well, even the grand final, will you, well, you like bring yourself to, to watch that?
5: Maybe, but I enjoy. Uh, I just enjoy reminiscing on the glory days of uh, two thousand eleven, two thousand eight. You know, Brilliant. I I was put a little mm. montage together for when Lewis Brown comes on, and it just brings such ah. a smile to my face. Re- just remembering some of those great moments uh, from back then, and when the Warriors had all three of their teams in the grand final, and you're thinking, oh boy, this is going to be. A golden period coming up and then for it to go the complete opposite and uh, it's tough I don't even actually see the end of the game uh, against the Titans even though I was there but I I don't think it's a story worth sharing on air to why I did miss it (laughs) I think you guys would be severely unimpressed with what happened or maybe impressed it depends
1: what side of the fence you're on well, now I'm really intrigued.
2: Yeah, I am intrigued, but I want to know. Oh, I mean, but you're... I'm
1: also da- worried that I, going down that rabbit hole could end our broadcasting career.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but you're obviously excited, Ben. You excited with uh, Lewis Brown coming on. What is that one question you want to ask him today?
5: Oh, so I, I get after over a year producing the show, I get to ask a question.
1: I and I'm not prepared well, for it. You should consider. You, you, you should consider yourself lucky.
2: Start thinking about that one question.
1: Some hosts who don't like the producer saying anything. <laughs> Territorial hosts out there, aren't they? <laughs> Won't mention names.
2: Grant. <laughs> the most autocratic <laughs> co-host in the country. Everyone knows it. <laughs> My reputation precedes <laughs> me.
1: Democracy's out the window with Grant <laughs> so We're moving clearly into an autocracy. But I do love <laughs> fandom, debate. Eh? The psychology of fandom. Absolutely loves that team. Must, you know, loves to see them succeed in that comp. Once they're out, stuff it. <laughs> I'm going to go watch some darts. Cool. Something, you know, something else. Well, we've experienced
2: Brilliant. it with the All Blacks, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. gee, the roller coaster the All Blacks have been on, and now the Black Caps fans are going on. Just read the media about the black caps. Yeah, we'll wow. get into
1: Grant's thoughts on the black caps after 11 o'clock um, if you are tuned in. Uh, you can offer your thoughts on 8833. Why we haven't invited your calls, we've got a, an issue with the phone lines. We do apologise for that. We always set aside a bit of time now to actually talk to you about the sporting week. Uh, we're not forgetting you. Um, it's just we're, we're, technology is not in our favour today.
2: It does Technology look like not the texts me. are working. The though, texts
1: are working, I do believe. It's great. It's Jamie Wright's via text, which has just come through. So get your messages coming through on double eight, double three is probably the best way. The way New Zealand battered the other night was like watching one day cricket from the 1970s.
2: Well, someone did say during the game, they said it looks like John Wright and Bruce Edgar out there. Didn't they say that? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, back to, to those days. It was a tough pitch, yeah. but I don't want to make excuses No. for both teams.
1: I was going to ask in your storied sporting career, did you ever get to meet the Queen? Did you ever get shake? You know,
2: no. I tell you who would have though. No. Jeet and Patel would have because if you won the um the championship, I think it's called the championship, which is the four day competition, as domestic cricket, like our county. Shield. Yeah, so sort of like the Queen
1: print. used to come down to that.
2: No, you used to go to Buckingham Palace.
1: Fantastic. Yeah,
2: and go and meet the Queen. But I think the closest I got was you know prime ministers. Um, okay, which
1: prime ministers did you meet?
2: Well, there was a funny other
1: than the New Zealand one.
2: So we had um we had a series. It was the Chapel Hadley series, yep. the 2009 one, where we, we drew the series. Where should you have, played to your ability. And we should have won it if the rain hadn't come down We're in Brisbane. I'm after 11, aren't I? Yeah. Guptil was on 60 not out. I nicked off for naught that game. First ball, I think. Your first baller. <laughs> Thanks for bringing <laughs> that up. I actually had an all right series. You but, had a great series. Um. And the the warm up uh, game was the Prime Minister's Eleven game, and oh, uh, yes. it was in Cairns. So we got to go um, and meet the the Prime Minister and all the, the parliamentary uh, members. And I found myself with Jeetan Patel, and we were next to Kevin Rudd at the time. And um, anyway, we very were very likable, Kevin Rudd. Yeah, he seemed like a very nice sort of chap. And uh, we were. I can't ex... wait for your
1: Australian accent. We were <laughs> exchanging Kevin
2: Rudd here. pleasantries. And, um, just the sort of small talk and it was either me or Jeetan that said, um, oh, you know, do you play cricket prime minister? And he goes, oh yeah, I play for the, um, the alligators in Brisbane. And I said, oh, the alligators. And he went, yeah, have you heard of them? And I went, no. (laughs) (laughs) And the look on his face, really dismissive.
1: Of course. What were you thinking with, oh, the alligators? (laughs) <laughs> Is that as a response of, oh yeah,
2: yeah, well yeah, the I alligators. I that was, I was well, luring him that, in.
1: That well known in New Zealand cricketing circle,
2: prime minister. <laughs> and then he followed it up with, oh, have you heard them? And I went, no, I haven't. Just and Deaton looked at me as if to go, oh no, you haven't, you haven't. And he sort of, he was a little bit dismissive. And <laughs> he really moved on quickly. Didn't really want to talk to me after that. I thought it would be funny, but he obviously didn't see the funny side of it. Okay, and the other, the other one was uh, Bob Hawke
1: is the one I would have liked to have met. You know, he used to on the cricket every time they put him on the podium, he'd scale his beer. <laughs> oh, really? Did he absolutely s- smash it?
2: Should have done a shoey. I
1: oh, used to. Well, he, he wouldn't have done it with a can a, a cup inside like some of those uh, wow. pretenders during the year. But you met another prime minister, you can.
2: With John Key used to almost follow us around. The yeah, he used, sta-
1: he used to stalk New Zealand sporting teams, didn't he? It
2: was great though. We'd finish that. We finished the game. I think semi finals and maybe the Australian game in Eden Park. And both times he was in the change room with the lads. You should never was, mix politics and sport I, unless there's a good photo opportunity for I, a politician. I have got that photo as well. Yeah. My
1: favourite John Key photo is the one next to Sam Whitelock, where he, Sam Whitelock looks like a giant and. Gullaby. Sorry, Sir John Key looks like um, a hobbit. It's, it's quite funny. Yeah. yeah.
2: And, uh, but subsequently, I saw him in the Coru Lounge. So I walked into the coro Lounge and there was a lot of, you know, um, security people with the earpieces in it. And I went, oh, either someone's important is in here or there's a, you know, a, a real big criminal um, in the coro Lounge, which he so looked around see any vir- sense.
1: So you looked around, as Virat right in here? <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I, I looked around the corner and there was Sir John Key sitting there watching the Olympics. I think the hockey was on because we had met him through um, the World Cup. He was eating his marmite and toast. And I was like, where in the world do you... you well, that's know, disappointing. See? Not Vegemite. So I'm no, Vegemite. Was, no. Well, maybe it was Vegemite. Yeah. And um, I went and sat next to him and we watched uh, you know, oh, the your hockey best, for 15 So you're 15 minutes. So your best buds, mate. No, not best buds, but I obviously recognize it. But I mean, where in the world could you do that? Like, you know, the Prime Minister's just yeah. chilling out and New Zealand's a great place. Yeah, we like, are, we're quite relaxed. Very like, lucky. We yeah.
1: are very relaxed like that. Absolutely, for sure. Ah, oh, it's a shame you haven't met the Queen, but
2: um, no. you've uh,
1: you've you've offended Kevin Rudd. <laughs> a lot of Australians will love you even more for.
2: <laughs> and we need to find out from friends of SCNZ, Eton Patel, who's been on the show. Obviously, we've had many celebrities on the show. Um, whether he has met the Queen, or something. I'd like to know
1: if any listeners have met the Queen.
2: Yeah, or the most. Royal person you've met, yeah,
1: the most royal person you've met. Double eight, double three. Do let us know. Fire your text through. Unfortunately, no, the phones aren't working. We do apologise for that. We'd love to have uh, got your thoughts, especially on the Chapel Adley. Um, uh, hopefully we can resolve that. uh There are ways though for us to connect uh, with other people, um, including our next guest. We will be able to. All going well. Uh, catch up with Jason Rutledge. It is time for Tales of the Traitor. Uh, we're inspired by and winning the Shield in 2009. They challenged for the Shield later today. We'll find out um, you know, what worked in 2009, what it meant to have the Shield down south, uh us from the tractor, in association uh, with Midas uh, AgriTyres. The choice of leading manufacturers, Midas AgriTyres, European quality, made affordable, is up next.
3: Half a century of waiting... Another famous chapter about to be written in the rich history of this wonderful sporting trophy. Wilson and the shield goes back (laughs) south. Southland have done it for the second time in recent history. They did it in 2009. They lost it back to Canterbury last year. Now they've got it back.
1: Oh, what a wonderful time uh, that was in our uh, very, very illustrious uh, Ranfurly Shield history. Uh, time for our Tales from the Tractor in association with uh, Midas Agra Tyres. Uh, we're going to head south to Southland, of course. They won it in 2009, had a number of defences, ultimately losing it back to Canterbury. What a time to be alive it was for Southland rugby fans. And Southland have another chance, Grant, uh, when they take on Hawke's Bay this uh, weekend. And you, and you know... Southland, from rugged fieldland in the west across fertile farmland, scenic lakes and rivers, Southland is a region of distinct landscapes, Grant.
2: Absolutely, which is why we've got Tales of the Tractor, isn't it? We have to talk about farming legions that have played sport. No, we don't. Well
1: sporting legends farm. I have no idea if our next um, guest has actually ever spent a day on the farm. If he has, it's a bonus. I just know he's a Southland rugby legend, and that's why I wanted to get him on the show. Jason Rutledge is with us. Jason, counter bro, welcome to the show. Morning, guys, how's things? Yeah, good, mate. I don't know if you spent a day working the land, mate, but I know you've been hitting rucks into your mid-40s, and that's all I care about, fella.
6: Oh, yeah, you no, know, no, I was definitely brought up on a farm, like most uh, most Southlanders. There's, yeah, there's not a lot of, uh, well, there's obviously in Vicargo and Gore, but other than that, most other people live on farms, so there's a high chance the Southlander has been brought up on a farm.
2: Jason, uh, Grant Elliott here, lovely having you on the show, Um, and I want to know, who did you play with that was the least likely character to be on the farm? Because I think (laughs) I would pass for one of those people that they'd name.
1: Well, that's the great irony of the section, though, Uh, Jason. They've got us who are, you know, um, a latte-swilling Wellingtonians talking about the land.
6: Well, I, I would probably go with James Wilson. really. He was probably one of those latte-swilling uh, um, <laughs> townies. Um, always had all the, the flash gears and always done up to the nines. So, yeah, probably uh, James Wilson or Tintin, as we called him, um, would be probably that, <laughs> that person, I would
1: think. Yeah, There's probably not a person in Southland you haven't played rugby with um, living. Because um, <laughs> you, you, you debuted for Southland. What, 2000? You've you played an extraordinarily yep. long time. You, you've played club footy deep into your 40s. Fair to say you're a rugby addict. You, you struggle to kick the habit.
6: Yeah, well, I, I do. I find it very hard to say uh, I'm going to retire next year or something. I just, I, I, it just makes you feel sad thinking that you won't play rugby again. So at this stage, I'm just uh, milking it as long as I can. And And I've been quite blessed with my club team going so well. So we've been picking up well, we won three in a row now, so it's been been quite cool to pick up a few more titles on the way through. And, um, yeah, our um, club's got their centennial next year, so I'll definitely be playing again next year. So, as I say, it's pretty, pretty sad to say that's it. So, we'll just see, yeah. we'll just keep ticking away. No,
1: never retire, Jason. Never retire.
6: No,
2: please yeah, don't, well, Jason. It's, but it's,
1: it's, what is a what, um, what, what we'd like to know said, about only, only, with only the, the people... get to re- retire. For yourself, the great, no doubt.
2: Uh, Jase, what we what we want to do is get into the heads of um, the people that we speak to on the show. What what is it about rugby that you're just so passionate about? Because the people that we speak to that have longevity in the game, they all play for different reasons. But I mean, it's yeah. an extraordinary career. What is it that pulls you so close to the game?
6: Um, well, I suppose it's probably what you're brought up with, isn't it? Like, uh, I suppose it's the same with any probably sporting family, I suppose, young kids that are brought up around a soccer family or a, a football family, I mean, um, or a cricket family. Um, that's probably what you know when, you, when you've when you been brought up, heading along to the club on a sad day, either to to watch your father play or to play yourself. And there's just the wee, wee parts of it and grabbing the pie and the um, orange juice after the game and then, all, all parts of it I suppose ball boys and coaching and everything so but well, the biggest part I find for me it's um uh, my family love sort of coming to the club afterwards and and kicking the ball around on the field or we're inside having a beer and and it's it's always a good excuse to probably get out and socialize with other people um after you've had a good game of rugby and go back to the club rooms and catch up with other teammates from other teams that you only probably see once or twice a year but it's a good way to catch up with people you haven't seen and yeah, I think it's it's a good excuse to socialise, probably, and get out and see people.
1: Yeah, you've taken... g, Jason, you've taken me back to my childhood there. Uh, that, you know, that, that, That's my memories. Dad at the club, me outside, chucking a ballroom with mates, absolutely loved it growing up, and that, that social element sport does uh, bring. Um, you know, it's it's just so huge, isn't it? Those connections. Yeah, you know, I, th- yeah I think...
6: That, I, that's I think the stuff that brings the real joy, doesn't it?
1: Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely.
6: It's, uh, it's, it's one of the key things that maybe... Society's probably lost a wee bit. Like I think, um, there's a lot of stuff around mental stuff and bits and pieces, and and, and I think there's so much that can be gained out of sport. It doesn't matter what kind of sport it is. Um, but there's also the extra benefit of being involved in a team sport that you, you just get so much out of, and, and the ability to, as I say, rub shoulders with people every week that you haven't seen for a wee while, and just catch up and see how they're doing and. And gives them the opportunity to ask you how you're doing. And you get an opportunity to to make sure that everything's ticking away nicely with you, I suppose. So, yeah, I think it's it's one of those key things that we need to to get back to more of.
2: Jason, I'm 100% behind you there because I reckon success in sport is someone in their mid-40s or even 50s still playing the sport. Uh, Cricket, fortunately, you can. But rugby, I think that you're a testament to that. I mean, exactly what you've said. Sports and community is so important. And um, you know you've taken Daniel McCarty. He's all fired up here. It's taken him back to his rugby days as a as a youngster. Get the boots back on. And it, yeah, and it's. it's... Oh, I,
1: I wouldn't do. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm way too pretty. Way...
2: Do, oh, do, do you feel, Jason, that there's um, a responsibility to almost pass that baton down to the the youngsters that you're playing with now?
6: Um, well, I try to pass on as much knowledge as I can, but I, I definitely don't play play the game to to pass knowledge down. I think I've uh, been probably a bit selfish. I I enjoy playing, so that's what the main reason why I'm out there. But any any I can to pass down um, my knowledge is is always passed down. The part I love the most is uh, uh, passing down traditions, I suppose, and making sure those sort of things continue around the club and. We've got quite a special tradition when we win the shield out at our club that we all have to uh, climb up a rather large, gnarly uh, hedge, and um, but we all have to be nude when we do it, so it's, it's it's quite a painful exercise trying to get up a hedge nude while we're <laughs> had quite a few drinks. But um, I get plenty of people giving me grief saying, Why are we doing this? and I said, Well as long as I'm here, I'm going to make sure these traditions stay. So I think (laughs) that's one key thing. If if I can pass down some traditions and make things stay the way they were, um, I think that's pretty cool. And if I can be Turning up at the club when I'm 60 or something, and they're climbing up the hedge nude, I'll be uh, I'll be quite pleased
1: that I helped continue I that.
2: You'll be joining them. You'll be joining them.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know about that. I just I don't want to sort the tactics. Do you have to push your hips back out? Like, no, yeah. Suck the tummy tricky, in, which I struggle uh,
6: with. With <laughs> branches all over the show, and there's a guy in front yeah. of you climbing up nude as well. So
1: yeah, it's all good. Grant, you'd go well at this, being waxed all over. Um, <laughs> you, you know, yeah. uh, Jason, I want to take you back to 2009 and winning the Shield on that really cold, awful night. Nine points to three, if I'm yep. not mistaken. Um, it was always going to be an attritional contest. You you, you, you had served, I think, Southland site for maybe upwards of nine, ten years at that stage, so... You know, what are your memories yep. going into this game? Because I'd imagine your blood sort of boiling at the, at the prospects of finally getting your hands on the shield after 50 years for that very proud province.
6: Yeah, like it was, I, I sexually, my dad was um, brought up in Christchurch and I went away with dad to um, to go see his dad's grave and just have a bit of a wander around and have a yarn with dad because dad had had a lot of challenges as well and yep. coached us for a lot and then he was the manager and uh, yeah, we'd... we'd, we'd been given a lot of hidings Like we'd had some struggles, especially through those early years when I first made the Stags, through to probably 2007, 2008, where we, we were getting some pretty big hidings and um, it, it never really, never really, really went to a Rantfully Shield thing, and we had much of a shot. But I, I think we started like that that 2009 season. We were sitting pretty close to semi-final material, so we needed to win that game to make the semi-finals and grab the Rantfully Shield. But um. Yeah, so we were, we were going pretty well that year, so I thought we had a good chance. And as you say, that, that bit of drizzle and cold night sort of suited us well, so there was quite a few things that sort of fell under line, and and um, I think a lot of things come down to timing, and I think that was the right time. Canterbury had an off day. We had a good day, and uh, yeah, the young, young Robbie, young kid, he kicked us to the shield. And the final whistle sounds, what does it feel like? Well, it was quite strange because we'd already we'd won the penalty, so we all all sort of knew, but we didn't want to start yeah. jumping around and celebrating until we knew that ball was over the line. But yeah, like the, the crowd that was there, I think they sort of had a feeling that something special might have been happening. And we had so many people up from Southland uh, at that ground, and, and the crowd was just unbelievable. Like it, it felt like it was almost a home crowd for us. So yeah, that opportunity to um, jump around and celebrate one but then also to to make way over the sideline and and see dad there that was pretty cool too to to um to, to do it with him as well was it was
2: awesome um cabbage is your nickname you mind if i call you cabbage yes
1: you know um, you go for well, it <laughs> it's a solid
2: it's a solid it's a solid
1: it fills our heart because grant and i a common theme on the show jason we we bitch and moan about the lack of uh, you know, quality nicknames in New Zealand sport. You are clearly not in that camp. You're in the good camp. Yeah, you're
2: in the good camp, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. You, you spoke, yeah. About, uh, spoke yeah. about traditions <laughs> and leading up to this uh, Ranfury Shield game. Um, what Were there any other traditions that you had prior to the game and post-game besides climbing up hedges nude?
1: Well, that was his club team.
6: <laughs> Sorry, Grant, I, I just lost you for a second. Just cut out the stadium, please. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, just asked if there were any other traditions um, leading up to Ranfurly Shield oh, like, that you had oh, when you to... prior to the game and oh, post-game.
6: Yeah. No, well, that was something we couldn't really make any traditions for because we'd never done it before, so it was all yeah. uncharted yeah. water for us. Um, we hadn't been in the province for 50 years. The, the great, the great well, thing about it when we won it, we had the opportunity to keep it for a summer. We were guaranteed for the summer, so... Um, what Rugby Southland did in, in terms of getting around the province was great, and, and as Dad said, it went to everything. It went to Burris, it went to funerals, it went everywhere, so basically mm. you could ring up Rugby Southland and say, can I have the shield for the weekend, and they'd loan it out to you, and you take it wherever you want. So it was, it had a good look around Southland for that period, oh, um, well, we, we, the, the, the Probably the hard thing for us is we had a semi final the following Sid and and we probably had three days of drinking, taking it round south and <laughs> yeah. that semi final. So it's uh, <laughs> we, sort of, we sort of at one stage we just had to say, well, all right, that's it. We better concentrate on what's happening this weekend. But um, yeah, we certainly, well, it's probably just like any small union. I suppose they haven't seen it for so many years. Um, the public wanted to, to get out and see it, and we certainly wanted to celebrate it. And we weren't we
1: weren't worried too much about a semi final at that stage. And when, it, when, a, when, a, when a journalist says, is it hard to guess up for a game, uh, that's what that's code for. <laughs> it's literally hard to get out of your bed after three days celebrating. Uh, more evidence <laughs> we need to put a GoPro on the Ramfilly Shield in the immediate 12 we hours do. after a, a, Ramf- a yeah, successful yeah, Ramfilly yeah, Shield no. challenge. I, I know it's a big ask later today, and Hawksway fans are screaming right now going, you're not going to get it in 2022. It's going to stay in the bay. They're loving having it. It, it. I love it when it's in a province where... There's reverence for the shields. Shield. Um, you know, if you were to offer advice to some of the Stags players today, when they take that field at five past two, what would it be?
6: Well, I, th- I think. Well, they've actually spoke about it in the paper during the week, and it's it's going to come to defence. I think, like if they can if they yeah. can D up as a team, like in any. Um, I think if I was ever to coach a team, I think you got to base your, your game around defence. If you can shut them out, I think they're going, going to be a long way to making that they're scoring some good tries and, and they've got some good goal kickers so they've just got to shut Hawks Bay out and I think if you, if you go up in that paddock and you're all in that defensive mindset in terms of you're going to knock over everyone that's in front of you and, and probably the Irish and the Argentinians have both shown it and how they bet the all true. If, if you can bring that line speed for a, a phase well, for a passage of the game and really fluster the, the Hawks Bay boys I think it'll go a long way to um, knocking them over and well Stags haven't been far away this year like I think everything's really set up for like a really good challenge because they've've they've, they've shown lots of potential and they just haven't put it together all together. but if they can nail it today, I think yeah
1: Bay could be in for a real ding of a battle. Oh, Jason, thanks so much for joining us, sharing your thoughts of your successful side in 2009, what it meant to your community and some advice there for the current team and uh, you know that head story will ling, live long in my memory. Thanks for all you've done for well. New Zealand rugby down there and I'm utterly stoked that you're heading into year number. I can't say his name out loud, can I? Uh, he's going to play another club season next year. Never give it up. Jason, thanks so much for joining us.
2: Thanks a lot, Cabbage. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah,
1: appreciate it, guys. No, thank you very much. Good show. Keep it up. Our pleasure. Jason Rutledge joining us for our Tales from the Tractor Series live from Southland, head of Southland's Clash. Uh, Rampley Shield Challenge against uh, Hawke's Not going to be easy for sure. Uh, Hawke's are a very good side. Um, Midas Agri Tyres bringing that segment. Made in Europe and trusted by leading equipment manufacturers worldwide. European quality doesn't have to break the bank. Ask for Midas Agratires Tyres for your equipment. We will take a break at 11 minutes away from 11. Coming to the top of the hour, it's seven minutes away from 11 o'clock. But thanks to Jason Rutledge for giving so much of his Saturday morning uh, to tell us some wonderful stories in our tales of the tractor. In the next hour, we've got our Saturday Session legends. We look at a legendary year as far as the Warriors are concerned, 2011. We look back at uh, the oh. progressing to the final. What does it take to, to make a grand final? Uh, as the NRL season hits the path stage in 2022, Lewis Brown is going to join us. You'll be de- Lewis will be delighted to see you wearing his kit today. Well,
2: you know that I wear it every time every I come week. onto the Saturday Makes I actually session, wonder always... if you ever wash it. I do wash it. I do wash it, but it's great gear.
1: It is very good gear. So Lewis Brown is our guest in the next hour. Right, good week, bad week. We like to drop in some notes as the show progresses as far as uh, sport, and it's been a good week or a bad week for who, Grant Elliott. I'll start off. Uh, very, very bad week for my beloved Liverpool. Not only did we draw with your scumbag side Everton, nil all in the Merseyside (laughs) derby, that denied the... uh, the, I had the shirt out. The bet we had. I had it washed, (laughs) I had it ironed, I had it rearing to go. I was so excited uh, of starting our new tradition of you having to wear a Liverpool football shirt until Liverpool lost to Everton again, which was going to be about seven or eight years' time. But it finished nil all.
2: So good. So, so devastating. Good. You so would have looked good the in Liverpool blue. Liverpool had
1: a bad week there. They even had a worse week against Napoli in the and the Champions League, losing four goals to one. But I had a terrible week. Why? Because I you're not wearing Liverpool red, <laughs> my friend.
2: I'll
1: get to some good stuff later in the week once I cheer up.
2: How good would I look in red? Really bad. I reckon I'm blue. Blue all the way.
1: Let me guess. After the break, you'll give me your bad week, and it might involve a, involve a side who you used to play for.
2: Oh, Don't even remind me. Yeah. I had to go on the Australian show the other day. That was tough.
1: Any for your thoughts after the break? Yeah. Okay.
2: Followed my pride.
1: Grant Elliott's thoughts on the Chapel Hadley horror show after this short break. It's four minutes away from 11. Hour number two of the show. This is the Saturday session. It's bang on 11am. Head-bopping Grant Elliott alongside me, Daniel McCarty. Ben Francis is present. We take you through to 1 o'clock. Lewis Brown is our Saturday Session legend later this hour as we look at the legendary year that was 2011 for the Warriors. Try and get some insights as to what it takes to get through a long NRL season and then an arduous uh, finals campaign. Of course, the NRL playoffs kicked off last night. So Lewis Brown, part of the, uh, well, only the second Warriors side that made it through to a grand final. You really like the song. You aren't? You can't stop moving.
2: I feel like saying sweat, baby sweat. <laughs> That's the only lyrics I know. <laughs> because that's what the Black Caps were doing the other day.
1: All right. Good week, Kairns. bad week. Grant Elliott?
2: Well, it was humid in Cairns, wasn't it? Mm. Really humid and hot. So There was an apt song for that. But that was a bad week. Bad week, bad night. Bad week for us, commentating it. And you so aptly called it the Black Caps Horror Show. That's what it was. I was looking forward to uh, the Trans-Tasman commentary team where we came up against head-to-head, I actually felt, and you knew that, I felt really competitive going into this game. <laughs> I really, there's something about the taking on the Australians yeah. that just makes you angry.
1: Well, we have made consecutive World Cup finals uh, since the last World Cup. Oh. Gillen had won 15 games of 17. I- okay, the opposition, you can, uh, you know... Argued not the strongest, but you can only beat who are in front of you. Fifteen wins in two. I don't care who you're playing against is very solid. Uh, Won nine at home, six on the road, had only lost two away. Of course, one of the uh, losses was to Australia in Sydney in 2020 in the aborted uh, Chapel Hadley series uh, as the world came crashing down due to COVID, of course. Um, But optimism had to be high.
2: Yeah, well, we went into the series as world-ranking number one ODI team. Australia sixth, I think. And the last time we we thought, oh, we've got a real chance to roll, Australia was in the Boxing Day test match. And similar thing happened. So bad week for the Black Caps because there's so much promise. We've had Australia 44 for 5 and 52 for 5 in both games and failed to finish the game. So you'll look back and go, oh, we were so close. But we just don't get over the line against Australia.
1: But in these two games, and I think it's maybe more frustrating for um, New Zealand cricket fans, and love to get your reaction on 8883. Uh, send your text messages too. You're well within the contest. You're batting first in game number one. You're 179 for three after 41 overs. Mm. You're thinking 260, 270. Um, they go... Fifty-three for six over the last nine overs. Uh, it sort of limped their way to two hundred and thirty-two for nine. You think maybe just below par. So, so that's a little bit galling. Didn't finish well. Uh, and then even more frustrating, you have Australia five for forty-four. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I think I'm on Australian radio again. Forty-four for five um, after twelve overs. And you think the game's the game's the game's won. You think the game's won if you're a New Zealand fan?
2: Should be done and dusted. And I kept saying it when we were commentating. I said. When the Australians' backs are against the wall, they play well, but, and someone produces something brilliant. Um, but in the, the last game, 117 for eight from memory, and then suddenly a lower-order rear-guard action of 78 runs off 81 with the two partnerships.
1: Yeah, 9-10-11, got
2: 78. Oh, runs. and that just it broke our hearts, didn't it? Because they should have been bowled out for under 130. Um, and suddenly Stark scores runs, and Hazel would look like Garfield Sobers.
1: <laughs> shot over extra cover his first international six. It was extraordinary.
2: Yeah, even Zampa, who I thought, well, he can't hold a bat. He he got a couple of runs. So a disappointing from the Black Caps' perspective. But, and, and,
1: I, and I know it was tricky. I know it was tricky. It was they, a tough not pitch. the greatest surfaces, but 195 for nine Australia. 196, you've got to get that. Mm.
2: It was a tough pitch to score freely on, but it wasn't a tough pitch to stay in on. Um, and I think that that was the real issue with the, the Black Caps is they dug in so much that they thought in the previous game when uh, Green joined Kerry, it dewed up. And when it jews up on a pitch for those listeners that go, oh, well, what does jew have to do with anything? It obviously starts skidding on as opposed to stopping. When a delivery is bold and it's stopping and it's a bit dry early on in the game, that's tougher because you're not working with a lot of pace. So, the dew so, you're going quick- to hit through the line a bit better. Yeah, the dew quickens it up. It hit the ball down on the, ground the bat. A bit better, yeah. And also, the bowl is the ball gets a bit wet, so there's not much movement through the air or off the deck. But what we saw the other night is Kane Williamson and Devin Conway, which kind of battling through this period to try and get through to the, the good time, which After is when, got out in the first over, yeah. Yeah, which is when it dewed up, and it just never dewed up. It just looked like it got tougher and so tougher I, for them.
1: I, I'm not sure if that's the case or. We just never found out because no one was set yeah. and feeling good about themselves. When it up, two Australians got in, then got
2: going. Yeah, but you'd say that. We never got, we never got anyone in. Well, Kane Williamson. Kane Williamson sort of dropped anchor. And Devin Conway, they were in. They faced enough balls. I think when you get past 25 balls, you would say, as an international cricketer, you're in. You should know what the surface is like. You'll get to, a feel for the surface in your first 10 balls. And they always say your first 20 balls are the most important. The reason being is because you adapt to the conditions and you also you, you get your own your feet moving and in that mental state. And I think the mental state is the big one we spoke about after the game. We said, let's get a cricket specialist on the show. And we we're like, we both know, no, no, no. Let's get someone who can actually be more of a head doctor. Let's find out what's going on because there's clearly a mental block. Has to be, right? Against Australia. Well, I feel like there does have to be because we're a much better team than that. But what, what we showed wasn't the team that we know. No,
1: nowhere near the talent they do pose. You know, 82 off 33 overs New Zealand bowled out for. 146 dot balls. Mm. Equivalent of 24 overs of dot balls. Um, there is, as I think Darren is going to join us in about an hour's time to get the Australian perspective of what they saw. There is, um, you know, digging in, and then there's digging a hole. Yeah. And he found New Zealand had dug themselves a hole. The... Our last win, of course, you were on that side in Australia a number of years ago. It was two all that series. So you guys found a recipe to, to put the, the aura of Australia to one side. What was it? What was it?
2: We, we won the first game um, in Perth. Then we went to Sydney. We lost the second one. Um, then we went to Adelaide. No, then we went to the MCG, won that one. We were 2-1 up. Then went to Adelaide, two all. Then went to Brisbane. ...for the final game of the series. Gupta was smoking Mitchell Johnson all over the place. We were easily ahead on Duckworth Lewis, everything. Six down. And the rain came down.
1: Yeah, and then the rain saved Australia. Yeah, and the
2: rain came down. Uh, so that would have been a win, but um, yeah, we drew that series. I think the secret to success there was with Australia, you have to sustain long periods of pressure. And if you can go head-to-head with them for a long period, then suddenly they might fall away and, and miss out on that, that match-winning moment. But so many times in games against Australia where you think their back's against the wall, oh, we're ahead, there's a run-out, like a Michael Clark bullet throw from point, or just a brilliant catch, or an amazing spell from someone. You know, at Faulkner in the World Cup final, we were 150 for three, Taylor and me were in. And we go. 35 overs. And the message came out, and I said, I think we've got 260 here. That's what we should aim for. And then suddenly Faulkner came on and got 4 for. I was a
1: slower ball that Nixon somehow carries to Haddon, and then there's Duck and Duck, and Australia have the game with a 15, 20 minute
2: burst, don't they? Yeah, and they play well in those sustained periods of pressure, and that's the key. Yeah, so they
1: were under pressure, they find a way back.
2: Kepler Vessel said to me when I was young, and I played with him. Uh, showing my age a little bit. He said, the team that breaks first under pressure is the team that loses the game. And I think that that's true when you're playing Australia. So
1: New Zealanders got weighted down in that run chase, just squished, the pressure on their shoulders, pushing them down and down and down, and couldn't embrace their inner Australia and break out of it.
2: And then, then you lose two wickets, the new batters come in, and they're under even more pressure. You think when Conway gets out and Williamson gets out, and then suddenly you're behind on the run rate, you're in a tough pitch, middle-order players, probably less experienced, Um, and yeah, there's just too much pressure. And it's the ability to cope with pressure and how you counter that pressure. I think I spoke to you about it, I said, the disappointing thing about the batsmen is that they weren't proactive at the crease. And What I mean by that is using depth of crease, so like going back in the box or coming out at the bowler, trying to get them off that length that was difficult to score.
1: Like Abbott being able to bowl 28 consecutive dot balls or whatever it was. Well, Brendan McCullum... Second most all time.
2: Let's talk about the most aggressive player we've had, Brendan McCullum. What would he have done? He, he would have, have come down the have, wicket... He would have charged at Abbott after a few balls. Taken him off that length, and then Abbott would have started bowling slower balls, and he wouldn't have allowed him to settle into that rhythm of bowling that length.
1: Yeah, it was like a test match length he was able to get. Yeah. 28 dot balls. It was a brilliant effort by Abbott, for sure. Um, lastly, I described it as embarrassing. Um, I, it's a dead rubber, but I still desperately want them to win the game. I want them to roll out their best side. I don't want sort of any experimenting. It's probably maybe not the smartest idea if you're looking ahead to a World Cup. Uh, what do you want to see? The strongest possible, eleven. Oh, absolutely.
2: Right. Because you're playing for the Cricket World Cup Super League, so every game has points on it. Yeah. You know, the Australian commentator said, oh, well, it's a dead rubber. Well, it is in terms of the series, but no game. It's like World Test Championship now. Every game has context to it, so it's an important game. We can't just roll over. it be interesting to see if Bolt plays, obviously, given please. his situation. Please,
1: Mumbai Indians allow him to play.
2: <laughs> yeah, please, because he's been so impressive. Sensational. Eight Bolt wickets. Bolt, and I feel Henry as well. I mean, our bowlers have actually done the job, just at, not at the death. They've done the... Yeah, three quarters of the job, and that, I guess, highlights my point with Australia is you can't play three quarters of a game. You have to play the whole game. You have to go head-to-head with them bowling, batting, and fielding.
1: All right. Uh, we will have full coverage right here on SCNZ tomorrow of that one. Grant and I will be involved. Our coverage starts from 4 o'clock. Stay with us, though. We will take a break and in association with uh, Somerset. Uh, we will uh, head to our Saturday Session Legends segment as we look back at uh, what it takes to get through to a grand final in the NRL uh, through the eyes of the 2011 Warriors and Lewis Brown in particular. We'll uh, reminisce about that year. Um, some of, you know, some of the, the key things that a side needs to get through um, the arduous uh, NRL uh, playoff campaign, and we'll do that all in association with Somerset after this break. Think legendary care. Think Somerset Retirement Villages. The Saturday Session Legends up next let underway,
0: finals football in Brisbane. Centrefield to Wallace, another bomb out towards Vannaway, he says, oh no, not again, and he's dropped it, and he's dropped it, the big best. And Vannaway loses the ball, of all the nights he had to have a night oh, like this, it. oh dear. Three back in the Now now have added another one in the 76th minute, this is a party, this is a celebration for Brisbane tonight, and the Broncos are just whipping the Warriors out of the So all over here at Suncourt, Brisbane 40 over the Warriors 10. They
3: come here tonight on the back of their biggest defeat of the season, 30 points. They went down to the Bronco. The last. Now, will they go to the air? Johnson does. not held he can reach out and wow bars. he scores it's wow. a try to the warriors wow. there it is the semi final is over it is a warrior celebration 22 to 20 but here is the kick off to the second preliminary Thanks, we'll know the grand finalist in 80 minutes gets the pass to johnson johnson still going Tonight. James Maloney will start the grand final of 2011. Johnson asking them a question. He spirals the ball out to Taylor. Taylor will score. Brilliant. Warriors are in. It's 18, place 10. Warriors have been valiant, but not much left in the tank. Glenn Stewart he gets it away for J.D. Lyon to score. In the shadows of full time, the side.
1: Oh, fantastic memories put together by our producer Ben Francis of a fabulous season for the Warriors in 2011, ultimately falling oh so close to winning the Holy Grail in the Rugby League club competition. That is the NRL, losing to the Manly Seagulls in the grand final. It was a period of great consistency for the Warriors. I think four out of five years in a row they made the playoffs, and the true height set in 2011, their best year. But uh, ultimately, um, it uh, saw some key members uh, move on out, and uh, maybe you could argue some, um, you know, longer-term stability with the club. Uh, with them, uh, we are going to reminisce about this year, this year twenty eleven from a Warriors perspective, and hopefully learn what it takes uh, to get through to a grand final with the NRL plus having kicked off. It's all part of the Saturday session Legends segment in association with Somerset, and we are delighted to welcome into the program uh, Lewis Brown, a key member of the Warriors in twenty eleven. Lewis, thanks so much for joining us.
7: Thanks for having me, boys. Um, certainly. Brought a few goosebumps here and all that uh, that um, noise, um, you know that that kind of montage of the 2011 finals. Um, it feels like a lifetime ago to be honest, but um Does good it? to be back this time of this time of year. September is always uh, sort of my favourite time of the year. You know, it's when it's finals footy it starts warming up here in Australia and New Zealand, and um, it's when the the quality football sort of sort of, sort of starts coming out.
1: Yeah, and I tried to say this to Grant earlier in the show. I I, I love Power Footy because single elimination games are often the, the way and, and there's something there's something so special about that, Lewis, when when your season is on the line. You know, if it's round four of the regular season you know you've got a lot of runway to, to get things right, but that that um you know, elimination element just brings a whole new dimension to any game, doesn't it?
7: Yeah, it just brings that final aspect, you know, like whether it's um you know, week two, uh, week three, week four. Some teams don't even make it to the final, so they never really. Sometimes they never get to feel that elimination feeling, you know, where the pressure's on. Um, so, um, you know, for us, um, that week, that week in 2011, uh, sorry, that that month in 2011 of, of travelling in finals. You know, first stun off against the Broncos and the Tigers and in Melbourne, and then I think um, you know we probably run run out a bit of a, bit, bit of steam against Manly. Um, a lot of a lot of a lot of people probably say we played our grand final the week before against Melbourne, uh, which nobody absolutely gave us an absolute chance of winning. Um, you know, so to sort of hear those words that we were going to meet man, Manly in the final in the grand final was something that you know I'd, I, the dream dream for me had come true. And um, you know, for for me, you know, the year before two thousand and ten was my first taste of finals footy. So you know, to go back to the finals the following year and, and to go to a grand final was something that I'll always cherish, and it was probably You know, not many people probably know it, but it was probably New Zealand, one of New Zealand rugby league's biggest days in in, in rugby league history um, in terms of, you know, putting putting grassroots rugby league on on the board. You know, we had um, the under-20s, the reserve grade, which were known as the Auckland Balkans Balkans back then. And then we also had um, the Warriors. But uh, like watered down Raro boys, um, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. we were the Raro and the All Blacks (laughs) were the water. They had the 2011 World Cup going on in Auckland as well. So we were like bad tasting Raro then. (laughs) (laughs)
1: No know no, you can't get the combination wrong. Can't have too much water in the Raro. Well,
2: I'll tell you there what, Lewis, you know what you know what's <laughs> not bad taste is um uh your clothing line. I mean i am I'm gonna give you a shameless plug here, but the Earl's collection. I, I wear it every Saturday sesh. Keeps me it nice does. and warm. This is not a word of a in line, Wellington. It. Got it on today, oh. so thank you for that.
7: Nah thanks, mate. Like I said, going like it's um it's like anything, really. I kind of I use a lot of a lot of skills from um, rugby league and team environments to try and implement into my business. Um, you know, it's just for me um, to be able to run a business. Um, I'm probably you know teaching myself skills, um, learning more about myself. Uh, you know, I spoke to someone the other day about retirement. Um, you know, I've only been retired and only coming up four years now, and mm-hmm. it's um, it's it's weird, you know yourself, Grant. Like you know, been a been a uh, you know professional athletes and having to let it go um, it's very weird still trying to find my my, my uh, myself um, yeah. and um, yeah, just trying to find you know that that competitive edge in that, in that kind of kind of industry, so that's why I've got back into running and playing a bit of touch just trying to find that competitive sport back while I'm still doing clothing.
2: Oh, well, that's awesome. Well, Daniel McCarty actually reckons that your range makes me look like a rugby league player. It really adds a couple of kilos to me. <laughs> but we want to talk about the build up to that year that uh, when you, you made uh, playoffs and, and actually won it. Um, it's a really interesting regular season if you actually think about it.
1: You're in the running to make the top four for a long period of time. And I think, what, do you, is there a sense of disappointment you only finished six on the ladder?
7: Yeah, well, there was, there was quite a bit of stuff that went down that year. Like, um, yeah, the early whispers in the, yeah. in the year where um, Ivan was
8: going to leave.
7: Um, and then we went on, like, I think it was close to like an eight or nine game winning streak. Um, where we were beating teams. Um, and then you, yeah, you're right, we we ended up finishing, um, I think it was sixth. Um, and then we got sent up to, um, we got sent up to the Suncorp. I think it was a Friday night game, actually. against um, It was against the, the, the Broncos, and they absolutely demolished us. It was the old system, where it was one versus eight, two versus seven. It wasn't the system that they currently have at the moment. It was the older one. So back in the day, it was um, one versus eight, two versus seven, three, six, and then four plays five, you see. so And then the, the two lowest losers they get. They get eliminated, you see. So, you, you, if you're if you're sixth position and, and seven and eight win, well, you, you and five, if if you both lose, you, or you and you and four, if you lose, you, you're you're both out. You see. So, it was a different situation. Um, we absolutely got pumped by 40 points um, by the Broncos, and you know we were we were luckily after you know to, to catch a berth again, and um, we were running. We we're going next week again at the Old Sydney uh, Football Stadium against. Um, what would I call back then in that, that, that era, a red-hot uh, West Tigers team that I probably thought underachieved in that era. Um, you know, they had Benjia, they had Robbie, they had, uh, that's when they were playing, you know, they were in their prime and, um, you know, we were down 18 in after 16 minutes. And then, you know, fortunately enough, um, we come back on the buzzer and and, and, and won that. Um, and then it was sort of back to Auckland. Um, you know, I think a lot of us were just, you know really um excited coming to grips um you know hearing the outside noise um we you know you 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 find your years over it's going to be a manly melbourne final um but we've been <laughs> there many before uh, ivan had taken on that had taken us on that mission many a time um down to melbourne and and spoiled the party uh, don't worry we've been there a few times and got a pants pulled down but um you know this time um i don't know something different about the week we just um we all relaxed and you know, we we're quite tight. We we're quite tight knit bunch back then because we travelled a lot. We used to. This was this was this was time. This was back when you know, PlayStations weren't weren't huge. You know, social media wasn't big. So there's a lot of coffee clubs and you know, we'd all go out and have coffees together. So it was a different kind of kind of bonding back then. Um, and you know, there wasn't much Instagram. There wasn't much Twitter. You know, so um, you get to know each other on a more personal level when it you know right. become more of a bunch of a bunch of blokes. So you get to know each other more personally, I guess. And to be honest with you, that's um, – uh, out of my whole career in my life, I think that's probably the, the most perfect game of rugby league I've ever been on a side that, seen, that a team's played. And I'm, and I'm meaning – I'm not meaning it in the way where we touched everything to return to goal, which we scored every try, but we did everything we could um, – and and have given was given a game plan that I've seen never seen a team stick to as much as this one. We just stuck to everything. Um, Ivan said that before for the game, you know, you'll you know you'll start knowing we're in it when when their superstars make mistakes. And you know, to be honest with you, when you played Melbourne, they never huh. made mistakes. Cameron Smith, Cameron mm-hmm. uh, Cooper Cronk, Slater never made mistakes. You know, come the 60th minute, Cooper Cronk, Cameron Smith are kicking out in the fall. So we could feel that stuff coming, and then you know, the rest is history. And then yeah, no, we we get to we come back to New Zealand, and 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 to be honest with you, that next week uh, to the grand final is an absolute blur. It's a long week. It's um, you know flying over from New Zealand, um, sorting out tickets, the logistical side of it. To be honest with you, boys, that was probably the more full on side of it than, than actually having to play the game. Um, what people you know, wanting a piece to... of you,
1: people, or yeah, get we'll me something.
7: We're trying to... We'll try to get your family over from New Zealand, obviously. Um, the Warriors at the time said that they would they'd fly families over, um, getting tickets. Um, you know, you've got grand final luncheons, you've got people that want to, you know, catch up. You've got to go do promos, and 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 you know, where you, you know, yeah, yeah, half the boys in our team were, um, you know, Pacific Islander boys, and they love sleeping. So, you know, half the time they were all sleeping, sleeping, playing cards, and that. So. You know you, 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 you know by that time of the, that time of the year you, your training is very very minute. you kind of want to you know, fine tune a few things. We did a few good sessions at the old Sydney football stadium, and then it was into it the big one
1: we 'll we'll break down the grand final shortly, but you know listening Matt, to you reminiscing about the path through the grand final, particularly that game against uh, the storm. It sounds like togetherness uh, huge a very well molded team um, you know capable players on the park delivering what the coaches wanted. Um, and and I, I think that's reflected in the stability during, what, the four or five years um, leading up to 2011, when uh, I think the club made the past four um, out of five years. I think they've only made the past maybe one year since, if, if I'm not mistaken. Ivan clear a huge part of that. Um, the noises turn into shouting, doesn't it? it, it it's, it, what, halfway through the year, you find out he is leaving? Was it, wasn't it after the year? Maybe you can confirm. But, you know, did that galvanise the team? Was it a distraction? You know, can you just drill down a little bit deeper on that front?
7: Yeah, I I think it was a, uh, it was a, it was, I think, I think a lot, I think a lot of people just sort of scratched their head. You know, you, you've got someone over in, you know, we were based in Auckland at the time and, you know, you you were, you got someone over in Australia that, you know, at the time or probably still is in this time is probably the most powerful man in rugby league offering your coach. Um, you know, anywhere from a three year to a four year deal to um real rebuild a club. Um, you know, that and we're talking about Gus Gilter. You know, so for me I'm I'm thinking, you know, at the time like, you know, that here's someone out there doing their homework for you, you know. Just there's, there's this there's this there's this most powerful man over there that knows everything about rugby league. He wants your your coach that you've got over in New Zealand to a four year, five year to re- rebuild his club. Um you know, and he's the man for the job. Like, wh- wh- isn't that doing someone doing the homework for you? Especially when you're you're coming into rugby, <laughs> yeah. coming into rugby league, rugby league, and and you're uneducated on the rugby league side of it. So, you know, for me, I was just scratching my head a little bit. I was like, why why are we letting this guy go? Um, you know, I may be fav- favoritism like the favoritism towards him because he, he he always brought the best out of me. Uh, but but I did scratch my head and. and and you know, I even scratched my head even more, you know, come um, you know, come coming um, you know, to to the day after the grand final, um, you know, not having him around anymore. Um, you know, finally getting us to a, a prestige, uh, I guess, uh, position in, in the NRL within, you know, Australia, within New Zealand. Um, you know, there were kids there were kids in Australia that year picking up the rugby leg ball and wanting to be Kevin Locke, wanting to be Sean Johnson, wanting to be yeah. um, you know, Players like that, you know, and um, it, it was a real golden area of, of rugby league um, in New Zealand. I remember the Kiwis were going great as well, and um, I don't know. It just felt like it was flipped. It was flipped over over a silly decision to let to let Ivan go. And I think, um, you know, um, it's it's not um, it's not science to put it together that you know he is the biggest loss of the Warriors since um, since that since that time. No, ah, and the numbers speak for themselves, Lewis.
2: Lewis, uh, oh, yeah, going you, into you know, the for, for me oh sorry Carry for on. me
7: i look at i look at look look at their team now, and you know someone that holds the middle together really well, and um you know isaiah you know, um you know ivan Ivan picked him out of a reserve grade game who was playing off the bench one day, and um you know he's like I can see a lot of them, this kid over here he who reminds me a lot of simon mannering and it was exact words he said to me and you know, like, you know, Isaiah's probably got a lot more, more ball-playing skills in him, but he, he is a carbon copy of, of Simon Mannering. Um, I've played with both of them, and that's the type of player that Ivan can pick up. And, um, you know, either sort of come from nowhere, come from the bush. And, you know, Ivan just has a knack of finding these right leaders in his team that he, he knows how to get that message to them to be able to lead that team, to be able to buy into that culture. And um, yeah, he's certainly done that with you know in my time was with Michael Luckham, or was with Simon Mannering, and you know, you know that now at this time you know they've got obviously Isaiah Yo, and then you know players like James Fisher-Harris, and then also Nathan. I know Grant wants to ask you about the build-up to the
1: grand final. Um, I, I've got to ask about the, Chris, the Christian Anu try, the freakish try. Where were you? Did you think it was a try? What what was going through your mind in the blur that
7: ultimately got you through? Well, I had lunch with Tim Maltin yesterday, and he's the one that dropped the ball. So he reckons that um, it was a no try. <laughs> All I remember is—is um, is it been a been a try? I, I didn't really know. Actually, to be honest with you, I didn't, I didn't know the rule at the time. I'd had no idea what the rule was, so um, I was just like kind of guessing. Uh, but to be honest with you, when the final whistle happened, I went to go jump up, and I got cramped in both of my calf muscles. So um, I, was on, I, was on, I was on the ground, and everyone else was like cutting. So no one worried about me. But it was just one of those. It was just one of those games where you just you, once again you were just like, well, how did we win that? We were we were absolutely toast at sixteen nil. Benji was playing great footy. Uh, Robbie Farre, you know they had Tony Tuaki back then. Keith Galloway, they had a great team. They had a star team. Yeah. They had a you know, for, for a period of five years there, um, you know, they they were probably one of the teams that underachieved during that period.
2: Yeah. Lewis, I, I want to know, um, I'm always fascinated about the build-up. I mean, you spoke about the team and how close they were, and, you know, it, you guys sounded like a true team in terms of the relationships you had with each other. But in a build-up to a game, the most consistent or the, the best teams I've played in have been consistent with their build-up. Was there anything that you did that was kind of... I guess you know have a guest speaker in to motivate the lads, or was there anything that was maybe a catalyst going into that grand final that you did differently, or was it just the same yeah. uh, build-up as you always had prior to to the grand final?
7: Yeah, I think Grant, um, I think you know that when I when when you kind of talk about it like that, um, I, I kind of look back and and out of all the games that probably I had played in um since I'd come into the NRL that was my third season. Oh sorry no, that was my So that was my um fifth season. That was probably the most um the, the game with the most logistical stuff like I said during that week. Mm-hmm. So All you know we flew back after after Melbourne we flew back on the Sunday. We were back to Aussie on Tuesday. Um and yep. we were grand final lunch we were um we had to go under Circular mm-hmm. Key. So um, it wasn't. It wasn't the same, to be honest with you. It, there was a lot of side. Um, there was a lot of side um, distractions going on. I remember. Um, I think um, Ivan got an Owen Gutenbill or Logan uh, Swan. Um, I think it was Owen um, come in and just said, "Listen, boys. Um, you know, I'm going to tell you this. It's probably going to go one, in, in one ear and out the other, but you're not going to remember much of this week. And quite frankly, it, it, it wasn't a consistent week. It wasn't." It wasn't what we had for that, you know, that, the rest of that, that earlier on in that month. It was, it was quite full on. Like you were actually having to be, um, you know, uh, um, a promotional pawn por- at the same time as, as, as trying to keep yeah. yourself in the best, you know, physical shape and the best mental shape for the biggest game of your life on, on the first Sunday in October.
1: Last one for me, Lois. Any regrets about the grand final itself? Uh, obviously the result, but how the team played. You you spotted them a big advantage, didn't you? I think the 12-2 up at the break. they You probably had one of those chats, we need to score first coming out of the break. They ultimately do. Credit your side. You, you know, you score two tries to, I, I guess, give yourself a sniff. But I, I think that the month of footy probably caught up with you. Any regrets overall about the game, the grand final?
7: Just probably... Um, probably just, just realizing what we had, and, 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 and that we did have their game, and we were, we did have the team to beat them. I think you know, in that in the era, if you look across the stretch of like either one or two sides, either side of two thousand eleven, we, we we really struggled against Manly. Um, we never really got any runs on the board against them. I think I only beat them once in, in my time at the Warriors, and wow. um, I remember in the first half, uh, Glenn Stewart um, kicked out of his own like. Out of Zone 22, and he, and, and and landed um, and flush, and they got to run away, and we ended up catching them, and they scored. And I just thought I just scratched my head, and I thought, bloody hell, we're playing a grand final, and he's doing this kind of stuff. And I just think for them, they they played so many big games, they were so relaxed, um, in their approach, they they knew what finals footy was, what what it was, and finals footy is what it is. But grand final day is is like you said earlier, it is elimination. You you, you don't. You, it's kind of all over after that, and I just think you know um, we just kind of hummed along and kind of let them throw the throw the first punch. Um, if you re- rewind the footy, I won't. I not go back on the footage. There's probably in, in today's game we would we probably would have been playing against twelve. Um, I don't know if you mean the big Jo George Roach elbowed Aaron Heremaia right in the face. That would have been he would. have got Yeah, after twenty odd minutes. Yeah, yeah, I don't remember yeah, that. Maloney been. Maloney kicks a penalty. It was only a penalty. Yeah. Yeah, it would have changed the game, but you know, at the end of the day they were the better at the end of the day. Better team. They were the best team the whole year. Like they were like that they were a force yeah. to reckon with. And and any time you played manly that, that around that era, like you you knew you're in for a big game and, and you knew you're in for a tough game. We know no matter where it was, whether it was that Brookie, um, you know, back in the end in Ainsen Stadium or at Mount Smart, they were, they were a great side and, you know, I, I'm fortunate enough to play uh, play with some of those players later on in my career. Jamie Lyon, um, Steve Matai, um, you know, um, you know, Kieran Foran, you know, um Cherry Evans. So, you know, they they well uh, deserved deserve winners that weekend. Um, but yeah, do regret not getting back there again. The closest I came to the game was 2011 uh, 14. Sorry, was with the Panthers in the preliminary final. Um, but yeah, that's probably one of my biggest regrets: never winning the grand final. It's um, something that I have to live with and. From now on, it's, um, you know, it's been my favourite uh, time of year, the first, the first Sunday in Octo- uh, October is either my birthday or on the 3rd or it's grandfather's <laughs> day, so it's always been a, it's been a special, day, uh, special day of mine, so I'll, I'll continue to hopefully watch the Panthers take it out for the rest of this year.
2: Lewis, oh, so I can hear the passion in your voice and we appreciate you coming on the show, you are a friend of SCNZ, it's not the first time you've been on the show, Um one thing I have to ask is, I do, it's developed into maybe a bit of a fetish. It, 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 yeah, yeah. Um, is, yeah, it is a bit of an obsession. Is nicknames. I really hate useless nicknames, but yours. Brownie! Is, yeah, we had someone <laughs> on the show the other day. It was called The Undertaker, Cuddles, and I, yeah. I love that sort of stuff. Yours is Sharky. Can you give us, is this yeah. one of these nicknames you can't, oh, there you, was, you can't explain?
7: Yeah, can't explain, but then I was given one when I first <laughs> moved to, um, moved to um, Auckland. It was called Snatch. I actually um, moved to Auckland, and I was up at um, Royal Oak um, Package, and I saw a guy grab a lady's bag out of um, out of uh, her, her um, car, and I actually gave chase. And I'd just come back from a broken foot, and I, I got the bag back actually. So, yeah, the boys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but what was it?
1: Well, it's, paint it's the picture, mate. One, was it? Yeah. was it? A, it was a great try for saving tackle, a purse saving tackle. <laughs> Did you jump over the shoulders from behind? What
7: technique? Did you oh, run around a
1: different aisle, nah, get in just, front, and just go with the traditional, sinking at the knee, tackle, tackle style?
7: No, nah, just, 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 I did, just, did, just did what any ordinary human would do, boys, and uh, got the purse back, and the lady thanked me, and um, yeah, next thing you knew, I was in the Herald. So it was a great way to start my uh, <sighs> my, my full-time footy career in Auckland. <laughs>
1: How <laughs> oh, good well, you're, I... you're an utter gentleman uh, Not only for that But uh, I, I think the proof's been in the pudding Over your career mate And uh, long may you success And um, your post footy career continue Thanks so much for joining us And uh, reminiscing um, and, and enjoy the remainder of the NRL season Finals footy is special Thanks, thanks so a lot nice. Snatch
7: Thanks thanks, boys Appreciate <laughs> you <though>. Cheers <laughs> My
1: pleasure, <laughs> My, pleasure. Cheers. My pleasure Snatch, Sharky, Lewis Brown as you knew him Part of the Warriors side They made the grand final in 2011 Uh, Ending a golden era 2011, uh, the Warriors, uh, certainly, um, after that grand final. uh, All part of our Saturday Session Legends segment uh, with Somerset. Think new friends, new laughs, and a new home. Think Somerset Retirement Villages, somerset.co.nz. Would be uh, remiss of me not to ask, um, and he'll tell me if we've got enough time for him to answer, superfan Ben Francis, about his beloved 2011. I think this is the nice footnote to this little one. I wanted a bit of of time for, for Ben mega fan of the Warriors that he is. That 2011 side's a pretty special one, right?
5: Yeah, I'll quickly go through it. I remember watching that game against the, well, actually the whole 2011 season in general, I remember they lost their first three games and they said they went on a bit of a win streak, fell out of the eight, but snuck in. That game against Brisbane was tough and then you had the long weekend, the, the wait over the weekend to see whether they would make it. And I remember that Tigers game, I remember the Warriors down by 12 at break and my dad guy and say, I'm going to bed. And I was like, I'll wake you up when they win. And, oh, I love it. And when Anu scored, <laughs> I I was so s- nervous I couldn't watch it. I I turned up the TV and I ran into my room and I was listening to it. I could not watch it because I was that nervous. And when they when the try was awarded, I go running into his uh, jumping on the bed, guy and "We're through to the one game from the grand final." And then I remember that game against the Storm so vividly and Sean Johnson cutting across the field and. Benji-esque with setting up Lewis Brown and then I remember going to the airport on the Sunday when they returned home and there was being you know, about 500 odd fans there and getting some photos, a few signatures with the team and it was so cool and then just the whole excitement of just seeing them in the grand final, of course a disappointing result but uh that, that was probably one of my favourite years as a Warriors fan, the other one being 08 with the Michael Witt try, and I've been fortunate enough to talk to him about that. Although those kind of two there are, like, without question, my favourite uh, Warriors moments.
1: Love the passion. You can see why he switches off the NRL when they're not involved in the playoffs.
2: Yeah, oh, he's he's so passionate. Like all of our legends, guests, though, just the passion. But, I mean, the thing that struck me um, the most, and it was very similar to Jason Rutledge, was him talking about how I was in the era where there was no social media, there was no PlayStations, we used to stick together as a team, we used to have coffees as a team, it was a close-knit unit, and you think of the best teams, like they're the teams that eat together, they're the teams that spend time together outside of the game. Yeah,
1: not like this team, we never spend time together. (laughs) Right, brilliant work. Thanks so much, Lewis Brown and Ben, Uh, appreciate that. It is 16 away from 12 o'clock, we will take a short break, stay with us, this is the Saturday Session. DCNZ is home of the Chapel Hadley series. Game number two um, was a couple of days ago. Game number three wraps it up tomorrow at four <laughs> o'clock. And this game will have a lot of meaning for one man in particular. Here is some breaking news. Aaron Finch, Australia's 24th men's one-day international captain, will retire from one-day international cricket after the third match against New Zealand tomorrow. Finch's decision comes after a lean run of scores in the 50-over format this season. With his last seven innings netting him just 26 runs, the opening at batsman, who turns 36 in November, will remain captain of the national T20 side that is preparing to defend uh, the world title on home soil next month. Finch will play his 146th and final One Day International on uh, or oh, in Ken's tomorrow at Kazali Stadium against New Zealand, capping off an outstanding career that's seen him captain his country 54 times in the format. His 17 centuries for Australia put him behind only greats Ricky Ponting, David Warner and Mark Waugh for most hundreds for Australia. So uh, Aaron Finch announcing his retirement. The last game of his uh, one-day career will be live right here on S C N Z from 4 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. Back after this. Uh, we're coming up towards uh, the top of the hour, uh, just a couple more minutes um, in the final hour of the show. We're going to go to Australia. Uh, Darren Berry's going to join us, part of our commentary team here on SCNZ for the Chapel Hadley, get the Australian take on the series, but also get uh, probably his take on the news. Aaron Finch has uh, resigned, uh, announced his retirement, rather.
2: Yeah, they were pretty, they were pretty for despondent. It's, it's
1: it been the big talking point in Australia is the form of Aaron Finch.
2: Yeah, well, as captain, I mean, you always want your captain to lead from the front. They're winning. Yeah, they are winning, but you want your captain to be the one that's leading by actions, that's doing well, and they were pretty vocal about Aaron Finch's position early on in the, the ODI. I was like, oh, wow, okay, we're getting controversial here early, which is what we like on the Saturday session as well. And... Um, Yeah, looking at his form, it's tough. I mean, they asked me on the drive show on SEN yesterday in Australia, and they said, oh, what do you think of Aaron Finch? Um, You know, should he go? And I said, well, it's up to the selectors now. They need to make, draw a line in the sand and make a decision because there's a reason why you pick someone, but how long do you give them? How long, you know, a leash do you give them or rope do you give them until you drop them, especially as captain? Because what that does is, is it tells all the other players in the team, this is the standard, this is where we draw a line. You'll get given X amount of opportunities. And after that if you don't prove yourself you're gone. So he's read the tea leaves here. Yeah. I think I think he, he
1: senses he's being about to be dropped.
2: I th- I think so.
1: And generally in these instances there's dialogue between management and captain.
2: Either either he's been pushed or he's made he's the decision. Be, or he's yeah. been told. Yeah.
1: He's likely you're going to be dropped at the end of the series. Yeah.
2: But no, I mean, you, every player like him deserves the opportunity to go out on his terms, okay. I think.
1: While well, the Oscars mu- music's uh, been turned up, they want us to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Darren Berry, uh, get the Australian verdict on the Chapel Hadley and this news. This breaking news: Aaron Finch announcing his retirement. Uh, full coverage of game number three from four o'clock tomorrow on SCNZ. Elliot, sit down.
2: Sit down, man. I'm excited. I just saw Israel Dag for the first time in his studio. His wife must have kicked him out of the house. Right. What's he doing in the studio? You dance like Dave Chappelle's white dude. I'll tell you what, I that's dance. What, that's
1: who you dance like.
2: I get some real dance. steam on the dance floor.
1: Uh, we're going to go to Rua Carco in about four minutes for race number one, meet number two. Uh, we'll also have a race at about... At 12.37, Darren Berry talks to Chapel Hadley with us at about 20 past 12, and we'll have the uh, sporting bets you probably uh, should run a mile from um, uh, to finish the uh, the show. Good week, bad week, though, Grant. You, we've both done our bad weeks. I'm going to go good week. You can't lance them all week and then not mention how the All Blacks responded incredibly well last Saturday by putting 50 on uh, Argentina. <laughs> do you know what I love? Just of the 50. start, just a positive start, something they haven't been able to, to do regularly at all this season. Um, hard running. Um, support players players emotion lots of good things on attack um I, 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 I I'd been pretty rude to New Zealand rugby teams overall um you know super Rugby 2 that you're all much of a muchness you're all trying to do the same things where's your um where, where's your point of difference um they did the simple things they brought in some uh, ingenuity there too uh, whether it's support players players emotion as I say and also just individuals having big games rico Iwani, God how good was he and it's 17 nil after the First 20 minutes, the test match is over. You could see it in the eyes of the Argentinians. Uh, 24 points to three, and I, I was uh, keen for them to, to keep the hammer down in that second half, and there were a couple of sparkling moments. Uh, that incredible try that started deep inside their own 22, what, five metres out by, I think, one Barrett finished off by another, went through so many sets of hands. Uh, that was a real highlight, and great to see Lurch back and Brodie Rutalic scoring a try too. So uh, my good week goes to the, to the All Blacks.
2: You were under pressure as well with Israel Dagg listening to you in his studio. D- did I do all right there, Izzy? Yeah, I got a thumbs, a thumbs up. up. Okay, yeah. I don't know what you were talking <laughs> yeah. about for a second there. But I tell Thanks you, Percy. Uh, Thanks, Percy. Well, I'm Percival Montgomery. I'm going to go for Virat Kohli. What? A good week for Virat. Why? What's he done? Oh, he's been unleashing, you know, Urda uh, Toilets, colognes. You yeah. know, he's sponsor. He's he's the ambassador of every brand in India. So he's been a busy man. Yeah. For a thousand days, but he's decided that now is the time against Afghanistan. He's going to end his drought by scoring 100. How long has this drought been going for? It's over 1,000 days. I think we announced almost three weeks ago, um, and it was at about 1,002. So I'd say it's over about 1,020, which the expression form is temporary, class is permanent. But you look at someone like Aaron Finch, who we're talking about, say, well, how long do you give someone? I mean... They're not going to drop exactly. Imagine they drop Rat, but it just shows you. I always say the team is like a bank. The more you put in, the more you can take out, and you're given a longer leash if you're a good team player as well. If you're a toxic individual, quite selfish, you're not going to get a long rope. But if you're a great man, good team player, but also a pedigree, you get a little bit longer. And verat has been given a long time here, so hopefully that. But he hasn't been,
1: you know, telephone numbering. As Finch has no. 27 runs in seven innings, no. I think it was, yeah, averaging yeah. a three. It's, you know, naught, naught, five, six, eight. He's actually, he's been getting over 50 from time to time.
2: Yeah, no, no, he has been. But, I mean, for a, a player of his class to go that long without a 100, um, it's been a long time coming. So now, I reckon, he's got the monkey off the bat. Oh, no, you think it, who's, who's up next? Watch out, because there, there was a player I, I played with in Surrey, Mark Ramprakash. And he was edging towards his hundredth, hundred, county hundred. And the paparazzi were following him. And the pressure just mounted and mounted and mounted. And he was getting so aggressive because everyone was waiting for this hundredth, hundredth. Once he, he got could, it, he then the play. floodgates opened and he, he started play, scoring more. Me. Oh, he was just like one of those so players I could, silky.
1: Yeah, one of those players I could never figure out why it, why it quite didn't work at Test cricket. He wow. was just majestic to the
2: eye, wasn't he? I think it's what we talking about with the black caps at the moment it's mental Mm. that step above is mental
1: well the getting of the gates Uh, we are not too far away from heading to Ruakaka for race number one that is a meet number two also have a a race at uh, 12.37 sorry uh, my ignorance showing through uh, when it comes to horse racing I'm unsure where that um, one is jumping from uh, more great analysis after one o'clock with the good oil. I wonder if Izzy's in for the good oil. Fantastic stuff. Uh, but uh, very, very shortly, I'm just waiting for the thumbs up from Ben when we do go. Um, get your nominations through for Good Week Bag Week, of course, 8833. Um, and, and sporting streaks, I want to know um, has, what's your, for our weekend Warriors, what's your longest um, Baron spell? Your, ha- have you gone, like, years without scoring a try, for example? Anyway, let's head to Royal Kaka. Oh, what an extraordinary start of the day. One, two, three, four, five wide as they got to the line. It does look like the uh, four yellow jerseys just put them at the post. But uh, photo for first, second, and third. Um, I think the other names involved there Hour Wonderland. Kid Rock and Quartz Queen. Um, in the mix there, but uh, all unofficial at this stage. Photo for first, second, and third. Uh, we'll bring those uh, details to you once they're in hand. Uh, we'll sh- head to another race at about 23 minutes away from one o'clock, and then from one o'clock, uh, racing fans, uh, do not fret. The good oil will take you through the afternoon. Uh, Grant had scurried off before that race, so we couldn't get our, um, you know, bragging bet on. We're not, so I, we know. So I will um, take the win.
2: When are we going to call I'll a race? This?
1: Never. We're never calling a race. We struggle to call cricket,
2: I'll which we've played in our a, whole life. I'll do it in a Hugh Bladen accent. Hugh
1: Bladen <laughs> calling horse racing? That would be special. I'm more interested in people, um, you know, breaking your own sporting streaks. I want to know the longest sporting streaks out there uh, from our from our weekend warriors. So Vera Collie has broken his streak at, of, you know, an international 100 lasting more than 1,000 days. I want to know the longest time between drinks for, for, I don't know, a club footy player who's taken eight years to score a goal. Um, or... You know, someone who took 19 years to actually, you know, score a half century or something. Surely there's got to be some great um, drought-breaking stories out there in our Weekend Warrior community. Uh, the lines um, are available. You can text us, double eight double three. pick up the phone, if there's an amazing story to be told on oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. There,
2: 811. There will be a rugby player out there, surely, that has played a professional career without scoring a try.
1: Oh, oh, absolutely, I'm sure there is. Did Owen Franks went incredibly long time without scoring. But I am more interested in our weekend warriors because yeah. I reckon we'd be going we could almost go decades here. Yeah. Well so I wonder if someone, you know, scored a try early in their career at age nineteen and then had to wait till they were thirty one to score another one. If you've got a story to tell, not only your own, but actually if you if you're willing to rat out a mate, which people are far more comfortable at doing, uh Dobby Maiden, who's got a uh, a wonderful story to tell uh, as far as breaking a drought, do let us know on double eight double three or on oh eight hundred one five. Is that any
2: droughts or just sporting droughts?
1: What are you talking about?
2: Or just anything, That's, life I, in general. I don't drought. understand.
1: I don't. I, I don't understand. Where are you?
2: Well, I mean, you know, there there can be plenty of. Well, we are a sports station. So yes. So sporting droughts for yeah. weekend warriors. Yeah. Yeah. Just want to qualify that.
1: <laughs> okay. You're not talking about nocturnal activities or something of the sort. No. No, no not quite. No, well, not yet, anyway. Yeah. Just waiting for you to continue to <laughs> dig your hole, mate. Just waiting for you to continue to dig your hole. Uh, we will take a short break. Um, it is uh, 10 minutes after 12 o'clock. Uh, get, your, uh, get your thoughts through on double eight double three or oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. 150811. Uh, Darren Chuck Berry is going to join us in about eight or nine minutes' time too to get the Australian verdict of the Chapel Hadley series. Uh, respected white ball cricket coach, longtime first-class cricketer, uh, a fine wicker keeper in his own day, and a very, very good reader of the game. Uh, he will uh, join us at about 20 past 12. Stay with us. This is SCNZ. Quarter past 12, SCNZ. What do you call that dance move?
2: You haven't seen me on the dance floor. It's almost as good as my singing on this show.
1: (laughs) I'd be good on the dance floor. Some listeners just accused me of being on P. I hope you're doing well. He's probably already switched off his radio. Uh, We're asking other people (laughs) your favourite... Drought breakers in club sport. How's this from Dale? I went like 30 years before bowling a 310 ball bowling, and I wasn't a bad bowler. Some bowlers never get to that magical 300. Well done, Dale. 30-year wait for that.
2: Bowling, Dale. <laughs> well,
1: yeah. And uh, you'll like this one, uh, Grant. I played rugby with the mate. He couldn't score a try in senior rugby for seven years. Then I refereed him a year after and gave a penalty try instead of letting him
2: get the try. <laughs> oh, that's great, mate. <laughs> At
1: the end of the year, he finally got one after nearly 100 games.
2: <laughs> so he was obviously ready to get a try. He thought, this is the moment, and he's gone, penalty try. <laughs> Brilliant. Who needs enemies, eh? Remember to, remember to tell us who you are and where you're from. It's always yeah, nice we, to know who yeah, our we, listeners are. We, we can't
1: reply to you via a text machine. All we can do is uh, read them out, and I absolutely uh, love that one. <laughs> you can just visualize it. Big smile on his face as he's charging to the line to score his first try in seven years. The whistle goes. He's looked back, and it's his mate running next to him going, and will need try? <laughs> try. Uh, the try blocker. The try blocker. Uh, yeah, so keep your nominations or suggestions or stories of uh, you know your great weekend warrior stories of ending some uh, droughts. Virat Kohli's gone over a thousand days without scoring an international hundred. A lot of a lot of cricket fans outside of India have dined out on that. That is now over. We want to know your drought breaking stories.
2: I did see Virat uh, speaking at a press conference and they were asking him about it. Um, this was prior to him scoring a hundred, and he said that he had got a a text message from MS Dhoni, and he he's he was talking about how there's a lot of people that have messaged him during this time and some that haven't. Um, and he was basically saying, I know who you are kind of thing. And I think he was he was um, indicating that it was some journalists as well, obviously because he's had bad press in India, which, you know, to give Virat Kohli bad press is probably like giving... Um, I guess Richie McCall back in the day bad has, press has
1: he given the journalists a lot of praise for all the good press that he's got the constant coverage that he no, it does, he does cut come. both ways
2: yeah it does but I think as an athlete it's nice to prove the media wrong coming from an athlete's perspective because there is some things that are a little bit unfair I feel
1: Was is, is there a day in your career you remember more than most on that front that you felt written off and you that you came out no no I'm not I don't care often about you know, but is there an innings where you felt you had a real point to prove? It came off, and it wasn't just about you. It was sending a message to others.
2: The world, the World Cup was really tough because I was, um, I was the, the bolter in the in, in the team, and the press let me know about it, and some of the press were like, "How did this guy even make the team?" And uh, I was, I stopped reading the press during that that time, and I decided, right, I'm only going to read it when I do well. <laughs> I'll never read it (laughs) all the time. So I I was like, great, I'll use the press to my advantage. When I do well, I'll read it. Oh,
1: fantastic stuff. Uh, Grant and I will be involved in our commentary right here on SCNZ tomorrow afternoon. First ball at about 20 past four. Our coverage will start uh, from four o'clock. During game number two, uh, we worked alongside our, our first guest, or our next guest. The very first time, we absolutely loved it. I'm not sure if Chuck enjoyed it. We'll soon find out. Darren Berry joins us, uh, who is part of the uh, commentary team at SCN, highly respected uh, cricket coach, and had a very, very successful playing career himself. Darren, thanks so much for dropping by. Good to good to hear you your dulcet
2: tones. Good day, Chuck.
8: Good morning, gentlemen, and thanks for having me part of your show. Uh, looking forward to tomorrow to rejoining uh, you guys and. Let's hope from a New Zealand perspective that you guys can uh, regather and we can have a really good contest. Uh, I know you're doing the interview, but I've been looking forward to this to see what the reaction's been like uh, across there into the performance that we called the other evening, or lack of performance.
1: Oh, I've been, there's been lots of despondent New Zealand cricket fans who just can't quite fathom why their side can go to Australia with, with good results under the about. And then not just get beaten by a better side, but just not show anywhere near their true potential. We think, and we mentioned this in the aftermath, didn't we? Uh, We actually wonder if it is the top two inches. Mm. From your vantage point, having looked at them, and I know you know the New Zealand players very, very well, um, are fans who think that onto something?
8: Yeah, uh, sadly, sadly, I do believe that. And we spoke about it the other night. And you look at that lineup that you've got. There, There is some experienced, strong characters in. And I'm looking for the lineup now with, with Guptal and Williamson. Uh, and then from a bowling perspective, Southey and Bolt. They've been around a long time. There, there's four really highly experienced players. And I'm still considering, you know, Latham and Mitchell. And whilst they haven't played hundreds of games, this is a good New Zealand side. And Grant's probably a better place to comment than me because he's been in there and been part of it. But until you climb your Everest, until you face your fears, that the question mark remains. And I would just, I would love, and this is my Australian hat on, I would love New Zealand to draw a line in the sand, almost, almost Brenda McCullum style, and say, you know what? We've had enough of this. We're not being bullied anymore by the Australians, but we can talk about it, gents, until they actually do it, you don't get that belief,
2: yeah, Darren. I mean, I think you're, you're dead right, and I think what showed the the mentality of the black caps batters at least, because I think the bowlers have had two good games besides yep. not finishing the innings off, but they they weren't proactive at the crease, they weren't and you know when a batter's in that aggressive mindset is that they're looking for runs, they're coming down the wicket the first time I saw someone come down the wicket. I think it was Devin Conway to Sean Abbott. And we said, oh, he's going to target him here. Came down the wicket, tried to hit one three extra cover. Brilliant fielding from the Aussies again. Dot ball. The very next ball got out. But that was the only time you really think someone was trying to be aggressive. Daryl Mitchell played one reverse sweep he got away with, and then the next one didn't get away with. Um, But there wasn't that proactive nature of the batters that were looking with intent to get on top of the bowlers because this was a pitch that you couldn't allow bowlers to bowl to you. You needed to get them off that length that was difficult to score on.
8: 100% correct and agree again with you, Grant. And it's, it's one of those between a rock and a hard place because I was very critical of the mode of dismissal of Martin Guptill at the top with a really wide slash. Mm. But I, I think, you know, in hindsight, that Guptill was trying to throw the pressure back on Australia. Unfortunately, you know, his mode of dismissal looked ugly. And then you come in for criticism. Mm. It's a fine line. But maybe the collective group need to say, okay, you know, we can't just stand here and accept dot after dot. I mean Sean Abbott did a magnificent job and I'm not going to be critical of Kane Williamson because I've so much admiration. But he dug in, he had that intent to dig in. We said on the evening that he dug so deep that the hole was monumental and and couldn't get out of. And I like what you said about using your crease. Uh, going across to off stump, so you could turn the ball mm. into the leg side, rotate the strike, things like that, I hope were discussed in the New Zealand dressing room, about mode of operation for this game tomorrow afternoon.
2: Yeah, how to be aggressive and how to be proactive at the, the crease to, as you said, take the game to Australia, because, I mean, well, let's admit, OK, we'll go the other side of the Tasman. I mean, both teams are pretty poor with the bat, weren't they? I mean, you know, you look Correct. at this Australian team, and the top order really has failed uh, in recent times, and the the announcement of aaron finch finch's uh, retirement after the the next game I mean they're looking to to rebuild that. What do you think of the the top order and the Aaron Finch announcement?
8: yeah that's been the big news this morning in Australia obviously that Finch has announced that um, I, I'm not surprised, and I don't think you guys are either sadly someone who's been a wonderful player, good captain, World Cup captain, et cetera, in the T20s. He has been in a horrible 12-month period. So I think he's made a selfless and the correct call, no doubt in discussion with the coach and the selectors. So he'll play his last game tomorrow for Australia. Um, and then he will just focus on the T20s. And from our point of view, let's hope he can find some form because he's still in the three T20s against Zimbabwe. We couldn't score a run. I just hope this almost releases the tension. He can say, right, I leave one day cricket aside. That's a whole other chat we can maybe have tomorrow afternoon as to who now takes the reins for Australia. But Finch can now just focus his attention purely on the T20s um, for Australia moving forward. But the top order, New Zealand, let's not forget, I'll try and give your New Zealand listeners some hope. You had a very powerful Australian batting line-up uh, 5 for 45 in the first game, and mm-hmm. 8 for 117 in the second. So you've decimated. got to say the bowlers have done their job.
2: Yeah, absolutely decimated a top-line Australian batting order. We had you on the ropes, didn't we?
8: Finch, Warner, Smith, Labashane, Stoinis. We're not talking about mugs. We're talking about pretty good international players. Um, so they have been. You, you sort of look at the results, and... As a, as a Kiwi, you're thinking, oh, we've been horrible. Well, you, you actually haven't been horrible. You've been mm. in the contest, but the crucial moments with the batting, first game, players got starts, 46, 45, 40, but no one actually grabbed it and said, okay, I'll win the game uh, and get you to 250 type of area. And then the second one, well, sadly, I said the other night, I don't shy away. It was quite almost humiliating to be bowled out for 82, to be honest. Totally. Oh, it was humiliating, Darren. There's absolutely no two ways
1: about it. Um, And a lot of New Zealand fans were angry as a result of it. And I I can understand that uh, passion and anger. I'd like to know, with your coaching hat on, what role a coach can do to help a side that might have a little bit of a mental block? And can you actually, you know, change something within a couple of days? Or is this more of a longer term issue they're going to have
8: to deal with? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. And obviously, the first and foremost, as a coach, you need to have trust, respect, and a real ability and understanding of your group. Now, I don't know the New Zealand setup, but I'd assume that's the case. But I also say, and I, mean, I know Grant would agree with this, the senior players play just as a significant role as the coach in this method because it's those guys that are out of the middle. The coach can give instructions and ideas, And yes, I would be saying to the New Zealand batting group, all right, dust that off. It was terrible. But don't look through the rear vision mirror. What are you going to do, you, Conway, you, Latham, you, Mitchell, how are you going to attack this game on Sunday? Be clear in your mind, all right, commit to a plan, and don't waver. If that is you're going to move around the crease and be manipulative and look to take singles to get yourself in – but don't just stand like a rabbit in the headlights and allow Australia to bowl at you. Martin Guptill, continue. Your best method is to attack. Let's go with that. You know, so every different player you have to connect with on a different level. It's not, right, boys, we were hopeless. Go out and smack them next game. That's not going to work. But each individual player has to know their role and fulfil their role within the side. I hope that makes sense. And it is something that I say until you climb the mountain... You look at it and think, oh, that mountain's too big to climb. You know what? Collectively, if you pull your weight and I pull my weight, it's a collective effort. We can get this done. Uh,
2: Darren, the balance of the the Australian team. Um, if Finch wasn't playing tomorrow, does Kerry go to the top? Does Mitchell Marsh come in? Is Glenn Maxwell in a little bit of a nothing position at the moment? Is there a specialist like Ashton Agar that maybe comes in for him? Um, how do you see the the makeup of this team?
8: Yeah, no, uh, another excellent question, and I, and I think whilst the Australian side has won two matches, they're still they're unsettled. The top order we've mentioned is failing. Mm. Um, I don't think the balance is right. You don't you don't need Glenn Maxwell at number seven, and I think in the first game he actually batted number eight from memory because Carey and Green yeah. were ahead of him from memory. So you know Glenn Maxwell at eight. I mean, come on, that's well, it's a luxury, but it's it's unbalanced. So I think the missing piece of the jigsaw for me, gentlemen, at the moment is Mitchell Marsh, because I think he's someone that comes in. And one, he can give you that all-round option, but he's a, his batting in the last 12 to 18 months has been exceptional. So once he's over his little niggles and injury, I think he comes back in, but there, there may well be a rethink. And I haven't got the answer now. Finch, I think, will play tomorrow night farewell. But after that, what is the opening combination? You mentioned three or four options, which is a concern mm. because it means to me that we're not sure who, who it is going to be. Um, and all of those are viable options. And Marcus Stoinis has opened a little bit in Australia as well, but I don't think he's in that form at the moment. Whilst we've went, we've won the series 2-0, sorry to rub salt in, I think Australia has <laughs> still got some serious concerns. Uh,
1: New Zealand's cricket fans don't know how much they'll get to see Trent Bolt in the future. Uh, theoretically, this could be his last one day international for all we know. It's going to be a series by series thing. Um, you know, How much, how high regard has he held around the cricketing world? How big a loss is he going to be when he finally
8: does pull up stumps? Enormous. Uh, highly respected over here, I can tell you that. And obviously the Melbourne Stars have picked him up, gun for hire now. Look, again, I think you guys know me well enough. I just call it as I see it, and sometimes that's not a popular uh, opinion. It does concern me, and I don't know Trent Bolt. I know he's been a, a, a wonderful cricketer, and I admire him, and his ability to swing that new ball and pin people LBW. He's world-class. I don't have to tell anybody that, but it does concern me, that, and that's with full respect. I'm sure there is family issues, and the travelling uh, takes a grind and and the body's probably saying you can't do that anymore but i'm just concerned where we're going in world cricket on the back of this decision that others follow suit and dare i say it because i'm employed to do this around the world and coach in this in these t20 tournaments and i love it but is it ultimately good for international cricket my answer is i hold grave concerns because bolt Makes this decision, others will think, "Well, why wouldn't I travel the world and make two or three million a year, as opposed to the constant grind of international cricket away from my family?" I hope I'm making sense. I have great concerns, and it worries me. Not just for New Zealand, for world cricket.
1: Chuck, you make a lot of sense. It's great to hear your voice again, my friend. We look forward to working with you at tomorrow, my my man. Have a good night's sleep because we're going to come in hot. Despite the uh, black caps being down 2 0. We're
2: coming for you, Chuck. Heads, We're coming for you.
8: Heads up, and I look forward to tomorrow night's contest. Gentlemen, <laughs> thanks for having me part of the show. Our pleasure. Uh, Darren uh,
1: Barry joining us uh, right now, and we'll be part of our commentary team tomorrow. I think we'll take a very short break and then be back with uh, a race. Is that the case, Ben Francis? Doing what I'm told 28 away from one. So number two hit the road, Jack. Paying a dollar eighty and a dollar fifty are just pipping uh, the fast-finishing River Run. Uh, so Grant Elliott gets a breaking rights there, don't you, Grant?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I do. I mean, I just, we had a
1: good chance. It was only six starters.
2: I pick my numbers. <laughs> <laughs> it's so like basically the Grant Elliott easy bet. <laughs> yeah. Which Clado loves. Clado loves an easy bet. That's
1: why we will never, ever, ever be invited onto the good oil.
2: Do you think, Clado, have you spoken to him about us calling a race?
1: I I reckon it will be a short conversation. Hello, Clado.
0: Good morning, gentlemen. Good good afternoon, it is. It is afternoon. That would have been a good race to call. Not too many runners. Nice, slow pace. Could have just eased into it,
2: warmed up. Yeah, not too many difficult names to call
0: either. I'm going to get here earlier next week. I'm going to make you guys call a race. That's what we're going to do.
1: <laughs> well, Ali yeah. keeps talking about it non-stop. It's almost like he actually yeah he wants to do it. You, you should have do grabbed that do one because saying, next I,
0: week there will be 15 horses in the field and you're going to have to call uh, it. And they're going to go like the clappers.
2: Well, McCarty was calling it next to me, which I he was calling it by numbers. He said you should just call it by numbers. five, four, three, seven, no, five. No, no, we're not going no five, four, no three. That's, that, nah, three. That, that, that's when oh, we walk no, away. Oh. That's when we walk away.
0: But yeah. like the black calves did the other night. No, Clayton, oh. my
1: real advice to him is don't do it. Don't do it. You will not you don't know how tough it is. You have no idea how tough it
2: is. It's like being an auctioneer, isn't it? Auctioneer. Yeah, auctioneer, yeah. No,
1: no, I
0: reckon still do it next week. I'll make sure you do it next week. Book it in. Oh, please don't. Lock it in, Eddie.
1: (laughs) Lock it in, Eddie. Grant Elliott to call a race. No,
2: Grant Elliott and
1: Daniel McCarty. I'm the co host. I never signed up for this. I'm sorry. You can go the week after.
0: You can go the week after, Daniel.
1: (laughs) No way. No, no, no. Absolute no chance, mate. Uh, Anything else? Um, I'll call. Um, Grant Elliott's going to do it in a Hugh and accent, too, <laughs> so just to drive Alistair's absolutely insane.
2: Now, now Claydo, uh, Israel Dagg had a big win, didn't he, over the week? Uh, Pong- Pongo. Pongo? Yeah, his horse. Pong- uh, his, his horse. Uh, Pungu, Pongo? Pongo? <laughs> I, I can't Oh, say. I, P- didn't, I didn't you, get the text P- to get Oh, okay. Yeah, well, I heard that he was a uh, co-owner or sharing a horse... Uh, that he did well on. So. Oh, no, good on you. It's
0: hard work going into owning a winner, as you guys uh, will find out when we sign you up to a horse. But a lot of time and effort and money and patience goes into it. And So when you finally do get in the winner's circle, it's about akin to, like, your first child. It's a feeling you can't <laughs> right. explain. The first thing. So and
1: an, Being an owner, it takes time, patience, and money. Well, I've got none of those. Oh. So, uh, <laughs> When, when there's a wall a away, I've got none of those oh, yeah, either. Exactly, exactly. Might go busking to raise some funds this afternoon downtown Wellington. Uh, Clayton, what's coming up on your fine broadcast after one when you take over the reins? Pun utterly oh. intended. Look, we've
0: got our Group 1 crew in today. We've got myself, Louis Herman Watt, and Steve McKee, who won the Tarzino Trophy three times as a trainer. Now, we kick off our first Group 1 for the season today, and I tell you what, all during the week I've been fizzing about today. Our Tarzino Trophy, Race 9 gets underway, 28 past four this afternoon it looks like a match race Imperatriz at $1.50 to win to beat Lark Creek at $4 she's an absolute beast but boy I heard John Barry this morning that track is as heavy as he's ever seen it at Hastings and that's going to bring horses like Demonetization and Helena Baby right into this so it's not a two horse war as it might look on paper, races are run on the track not in the race book
1: Excellent stuff. All right, Clay, I have a great shot. It's a big day. I can hear the energy in his voice. It'll be the like energy and I'm out- loving it. Yeah, and I I want more bragging photos. If you have a good day out like last week, mate, that was fantastic keep them coming keep them coming Claydo on the team will be joining you in exactly 16 minutes time it is 16 minutes away coming up on the other side of the sporting bets you probably should run a mile from we're scrambling to actually find something uh, considering so many sports have been postponed especially in the United Kingdom yeah. although uh, one in particular um, will start but literally the the actual game has been changed the, the nature of the game we completely, think it has we think it has more details after this break stay with us 11 minutes away from 1 o'clock. Good song choice, Ben Francis. It resulted in Grant Elliott sitting on his ass and not dancing. That is a win as far as I am concerned.
2: You are so negative towards my dancing, although you love my singing. Yeah. Every time a member of your family has their birthday, (laughs) you roll up the old tunes of me singing happy birthday.
1: It was the gift that keeps on giving. So thank you very much for Grant
2: uh, for that. What did you think happy of my Hugh birthday, Blade and, um horse happy commentary? Happy birthday there it is. to you. Yeah. Happy yeah. birthday. Happy it's good. Birthday. It's
1: good. Better than you dancing. I bet myself dancing though. We we need to have a dance off. But we're so old. We're so old now. We'd never go down to Courtney Place
2: anymore, all oh, right? Pull a hamstring. Pull a... Break <laughs> We
1: Shatter. We shatter into a million pieces. Um someone uh, it was it was Darren Berry asked uh, how are New Zealand fans coping after the Chapel Headley? Oh. I think Jared sums it up as we get to our sporting tips for the sporting weekend um, hi team Wellington for God's sake what a net performance by the black caps exclamation point I was so looking forward to the decider clearly not now Puka will be a must watch uh, go SVG awesome racing at the legendary track for the last time uh and that yeah Scott fingers being up think's paying a dollar fifty for the sprint race um mm. That is all part of a really, really enjoyable sporting weekend uh, here in uh, New Zealand and Australia. Uh, There's uh, far less sport being played in the United Kingdom for the reasons we outlined at the beginning of the day. Uh, A lot of uh, sports are taking this time to to show their respect for the passing of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II, uh, including a, a cricket test grant that was postponed, rescheduled and augmented completely. Please explain.
2: Well... It, I'm glad you've asked me to explain because I don't really know too much about it. But I do think, we think, that it has been um, postponed uh, by two days. So that means it will be a three-day test from what we understand between South Africa and England. Because when we looked at the odds, South Africa were paying $16 to win it. 16 bucks. $16 in England, $3.40 from memory. Um, but a three-day test, you, you asked me earlier in the break, you said, how would you approach that? Well, I think there's only one way. You have to be extremely aggressive. You have to get runs quickly.
1: Technically, it's a four-day test because the first day was rained out. Yeah. So they've, they've postponed one day and they're not going to tack it on the end because of you know, the congested yeah. calendar. So it is essentially a three-day cricket test.
2: A three-day test. So you're going to have to score runs quickly and then either be pretty aggressive in your declaration... Or you go, we're going to bat once and bowl them out twice. But I think, I think what you want to do is you want to get runs as quick as possible. Declare, put them in, try and knock them over, and then that sets up the game. You almost want to get that first innings kind of out of the way.
1: Smells like baseball to me.
2: It does smell very much like baseball. He said, "Strap in for the ride." Strap in uh, well,
1: for the ride, indeed.
2: They're in for a treat, I reckon.
1: And paying a dollar o one is wild, wild hot takes from. Um, Current players and commentators who like the T20 money circuit who will say this is the future of oh, test cricket of... <laughs> if it turns out to be a good
2: game. Another yeah. another format. Five-day <laughs> Tests, three-day Tests, T20s, T10s. Yeah. yeah, I'm
1: all for trying four-day cricket test matches if modern-day cricketers will improve their overrates, which they won't, so I will never budge. If you can bowl more overs in four days, I'm willing to give it a go.
2: Repeat, I just d- yeah. like
1: the element of time overs as it currently is constituted. Anyway, we're getting off track. So, are you telling me you're, you're putting a slight
2: no, I'm euro, not. sorry, pound on the South Africans? Mornay Morkel would like that if I did because he doesn't believe me that I don't support South Africa anymore and the booker. Uh, the, so, de-
1: the lie detector test is where currently coming through customs, Ben? Yeah. <laughs> What's that, guys? Is the lie detector test currently throwing, coming through customs?
5: Uh, no. If you listen to the Best Of podcast, which I put together every month, uh, the bosses came back to me and said that we can't afford one because Grant Elliott earns too much money here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, my goodness. Let's get on to these bets. Best What's I, lies. Best lots that, of lies. Oh,
1: sorry, actually. One. I wasn't uh, meant to say anything. Brilliant <laughs> stuff. Uh, check out our social medias for the best of the sesh. Uh, every month put together by producer extraordinaire, Mr. Ben Francis. I will get to my tip. I'm just uh, going to the Farah Palmer Cup today. So much pressure on Canterbury after having renamed the ground after two players are in the final. Um, it, it sort of sets them up for failure, but I'm not Aww. tipping that. I'm not tipping that. I actually think uh, Canterbury will uh, get up and win their, what would it be, a fifth title in six years. So I've got, um, just head to head, I've got uh, Canterbury... Pipping uh, Auckland in the Farah Palmer Cup final, which kicks off at uh, five past three this afternoon. It's not going to be easy. Um, Auckland back in a final for the first time in a number of years. They haven't won a title uh, for seven. But uh, I have got a, I can only see Canterbury getting the chocolates.
2: Oh, well, uh, I like where you're going with that. I'm going Hotland Championship. You know how much I love the Hotland Championship. I got into it last year, so I'm going for a six-leg multi. So keep, yeah. <laughs> Get your pens ready. Pens and papers ready. <laughs> Here we go. So we're going for, and it would be great if Ben Francis went the opposite of me and won it. He's that still
1: caning great. it week in, week out.
2: Yeah. Horafaneur Capity versus King Country. So Horafaneur to win that. Hurry North, up, we've got a minute. North Otago to beat Mid Canterbury. East Coast to beat um, Pover- Poverty Bay. Thames Valley to beat the Bush. West Coast to beat Buller. And South Canterbury to beat Wanganui. Wanganui, your favourites for that. Six leg multi gives you about $8.23.
1: So the one you're most worried about is the Wanganui game, isn't it?
2: That's the one I'm worried about. That's dollar for South Canterbury to beat Wanganui.
1: All right, Ben Francis. Um, which which punt of ours are you going to flip on it head to make some money on?
5: I'm not doing that this week. I, I'm going. i going to rub. I'm going to kind of put my knife into the black caps a bit more, and I'm going to say Aaron Finch to be the top run scorer in his final oh! <laughs> ODI, paying seven dollars.
2: Wow. Oh, bless. Wow, I like that bit. I, I, I like it.
1: You know, I, I could stomach that. I, I, for some reason, I've always liked Darren Finch. Yeah. So Michael Clark doing that before a World Cup final. That would have made my blood boil if he went on and top scored.
2: Yeah, imagine that.
1: Imagine, imagine someone doing that. Imagine someone retiring before a World Cup final making it all about the Who themselves. would do that? No one would ever do that. Ta everyone. See ya. See ya, everyone.